Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Here's a deep drive to center field. Thomas is back at the wall. Thomas has it. What is a joy to watch him roam center field at Chase Field. That's what it sounded like last night as the Arizona Diamondbacks have one hell of a center fielder. Alec Tom, awesome out there, guys. He's incredible. And as I think about the Cardinals heading into 2024, one of the big questions for them, who the hell is going to play center field? What's wrong? What are you laughing about, bud? I, I've got a question well, myself. Everyone should head over to our By studio By the way, with cams. Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. you got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Everyone should head on over to our studio cams, which is presented by the Air Alliance team, YouTube channel at 101 ESPN STL, because uh, somebody's a big baby in the studio. Yeah, listen, today I have to eat baby food. Where? I've got my Where? squash. Oh, yum. Oh, well, here, let's go to just your cam. I've got my peas. Oh, oh, oh God, oh, the peas are going to be so bad. <laughs> I've got my sweet potato and turkey. Ooh, oh. And uh, the coup de gras, really. Apple chicken. Oh, my God. That I looks would go, nasty. I would go sweet potato turkey before I would do apples. So I'm going, I'm, I'm starting with the squash today. By the way, if you guys want to watch this, we'll do it at the end of every hour. By the way, um, you bought a ton of this. Oh, this is the only thing they had. Well, I'm saying, like, you bought a ton for somebody who whined yesterday about I'm not finishing them. I he, I didn't have a choice. He probably, <laughs> bought a lot. he probably bought this much in case he likes it. It might be his lunch. I am going to give some of these to you for uh, for your little ones, Alex. You can have the ones that I'm My not using. My kids don't eat that crap. <laughs> <laughs> My kids eat real food. Uh, that's fair. Uh, that's <laughs> give fair. it to T-Bone and be good for his road trips. So yeah, uh, that's uh, that's the way I'm spending looks my good day. Good on today. you, man. Thanks, buddy. I've got my. It accentuates the apple. Yeah. Not the chicken and apple. Man, we, I'm talking about the other I apple. Knew, if I knew this punishment was going to fall on Halloween, we should have just made him dress up as a giant baby. I, all he needs to do is take his shirt off and look like one. Just a man baby. Wear a big diaper. Yeah, wear a big diaper. <laughs> that would have been a great just punishment. a man baby. Look, I've seen you in your snow white lingerie. I can take yeah. a man baby costume. Yeah. People uh, that haven't listened to the show before maybe hear that comment and they take it in places that it's not meant to go, but I'm just going to leave it sit. Well, I saw it at work. Let it sit. I saw it at work. That's Use all you your need imagination to know about this. out there. I, yeah. You don't need to. I can show you the picture. So anyways, uh, Cardinal <laughs> center fielder. We don't know who it's going to be. I think eventually it's going to be Victor Scott, but on opening day, I genuinely don't know who's going to get the first crack at it. I would give my nomination to Tommy Edmond. And Alex, the reason why is because as I'm watching Alec Thomas out there in this World Series, I think to myself, I think that's basically a less a less potent hitting version of Tommy Edmond. 
Because Alec Thomas, like you look at the numbers, man, he is not a good hitter. I think eventually he can be. He was a top 20 prospect in the sport. He is basically in center field what Mason Wynn is for you at shortstop where Anything he gives you offensively is a plus. He's a lefty lefty bat, great speed, helps you on the bases. Like, he does everything other than hit, which kind of sounds like Tommy Edmond to me, who does everything other than hit against right-handed pitching specifically. And as you go into next season, you think about the way this lineup could be constructed. Man, I've got Lars Newbar at the top. I've got left-handed hitting uh, players throughout with potentially Alec Burleson coming back, Donovan back, Gorman there. You've got the stars with Contreras and Goldie and Arenado. I think you've got enough. And by the way, Jordan Walker, who I haven't even mentioned, I think you've got enough hitters in this lineup to where you can have an up the middle position that is more focused primarily on defense. And I think that should probably be Tommy Edmond. Yeah, until you make the trade, if you make the trade. And what I mean by that is Donovan or Gorman, if you're trading one of those guys, then you start to get more into the category of, okay, well, now we might have two people in this lineup that can't hit to the ability that we need them to. But if I'm going to get gold glove defense in center field, I'm fine with it. I mean, we suffered through Harrison Bader for long enough to where the... Whoa, whoa, Suffered? Yeah. That was great defense. I think he was fine. No, it was... We suffered a very long time I with mean, Harrison Bader. I mean, it was bad Bader. when he was hitting, like, fifth. Well, it was also bad when he was ideal. hitting, like, 100, but we suffered through oh, it. That never happened. Oh, it happened. It happened. You just don't remember it because you were still in la-la land looking at him like, oh, Harrison, I love the flow. Oh, Harrison, I love the By gold the way, glove defense. the could technically be an option for you next Look, year. I'm fine with it as long as your offense can pick up the slack for it. And as long as Tommy Edmond can provide you that gold glove defense all season and that's the one thing we didn't see yeah we did see it for that short sample size but does it last can he stay healthy for you can he continue to make those big plays for you in the outfield here's why i lean towards tommy edmund because i don't think there's anything else out there that you can reasonably acquire harrison bader i saw the projections i don't know if i want to ride that rodeo once more I'm ready to buck that. Of ball. course you are. Of course you are. BK is absolutely ready to I'm buck not. that. I ball. would rather have Tommy Edmund next year in center I, field. There's you. You try and make a trade. You're going to give up more than I think you're going to get in terms of just receiving a defensive-minded center field. So yeah, give Tommy Edmund his flowers. Give him a season, and let's see what it can look like. Because I against left-handed hitters, you know what you have, and against righties, at least I get that Gold Glove defense. I'm doing the same with Mason Wynn but I also can't be trading all these big-time bats in the offseason. Yeah, I, I think Emin is the guy that you go with in center field to start the year. I, I think center field is more of a want for the St. Louis Cardinals going into free agency, going into this offseason. Like, if they find somebody else that they can trade for or sign like a Bader, I think it comes down to, oh, hey, we actually have $10 more million than we were expecting, so let's go out and get somebody that can play center field. But otherwise, I think you'd be fine with Tommy Edmund in center because you saw the ability to run down balls in the outfield. And I think that is going to be, though I question the arm, him being able to cut down some of those balls that should be doubles, like the catch Thomas made last night, that's a catch Tommy Edmund makes. And with a guy in right field and Jordan Walker, whose route running ability will see where it's at going into next year, you want somebody with speed that can close down and help cover some of that gap in right center. And that's what Tommy Edmund can do. As much as people want Dylan Carlson to be the center fielder, he doesn't have the speed to where if he if he's off by just a millisecond on his first step or he goes takes the wrong step off the bat, he can't close down that mistake like Tommy Edmond can. And Tommy Edmond can get to a lot of baseballs. So I think he is the center fielder. He's the stopgap guy. And that's 
That's all they need. They need to stop get guy for whether it be half a season or just one full season until Victor Scott is that ready is to go. We believe Victor Scott is going to translate at the majors. Like we don't even know if that's going to translate to the Absolutely. majors. Absolutely. And that's why, like, I don't think you can just go into the season next year saying to yourself, oh, let's write it off. We'll eventually have Victor Scott. No, you, you need a starting center fielder. And if Victor Scott progresses the way that we all hope and believe that he can and will, then great. By the end of the year, you've got a tough decision to make of who should start every day. Hopefully, Victor Scott plays so well that he forces your hand the way that Mason Wynn did at the end of last season. That's great. That's that's one of the good problems that you have. But last year, about midway through the season, as Tommy Edmond was starting to get some extended run in center field, T-Bone, you and I went to Bush Stadium and we asked Ollie Marmel, hey, when you think about what you're looking for in a center fielder and what Tommy Edmond brings to the position, how does he fit into that spot? Here's what Ollie Marmel said to us at the time. When you look at profiling a center fielder, there's a couple of things you're wanting. You wanted him to have good instincts to read the game right, read swings, but also have a combination of that first step and closing speed. And he's got that. He just outruns the baseball. Um, and when you're able to do that, you position yourself well, you get, have a good first step, you have a good route, like that equates to being a really good center fielder. I think that's what he is. You look at it last year numerically, the eye test, whatever it is that you want to look at, he passed every test with flying colors when he was in center field. In fact, I think he was better in center defensively than he was at shortstop or at second. And I know that sounds like high praise because he was a gold glover, basically, at second base. I think he was that good, man. I really do. I think he translated well. I think the arm didn't show up as as much of a liability as I expected it to. Would you like it to be better? Of course you would. Of course. But guess what? Alec Thomas had one of the weakest throwing arms in, made in the majors this year, and he was a borderline gold glover out there in, in center field as well. The other thing, Alex, people are talking about on the text line at 314-399-9646. It's the Air Comfort Service text line to get involved in the show. Guys, I think if you go with Tommy Edmond, this one comes from the 314, you would be settling in center field. Why don't you actually go out there and get a real center fielder? I think Tommy Edmond, the only reason we don't view him that way is because he's played other positions. If he had never played another position and Alex, you had no history of Tommy Edmond as a player. If he had signed here last year as a free agent or they had picked him up the way that they did with Richie Palacios. And then he goes out there and the first thing you see is him playing in center field. You'd say, I bet you that guy's an everyday center fielder for a team. That's what our reaction would have been. But we don't view him that way because our previous history with Edmond was him playing on the infield. And he doesn't have a history of playing in the outfield really. So I think he can be that guy for you. And as you look at the Diamondbacks, they were a top half of the league in defensive run saved and outs above average in center field. The Phillies were top five in both categories. The Rangers top 10 in both categories. The Astros top five in both categories. The teams that were still playing deep into the postseason, all of them put a premium on defense in center field. If you're the Cardinals going into this offseason and you're thinking about, okay, we've got our rotation that has to get fixed. Our bullpen has to get fortified. Let's not forget about what we need to do position player wise as well. Let's make sure that's set with roles in place where guys are going to play mostly every day. What does our starting nine look like on a consistent basis? For me, that starting nine should include Tommy Edmond and it should include him playing in center field. Yeah, I the, the people that look at it as you're settling with Tommy Edmond. I, I mean, Tommy Edmond is a better bat, at least from their careers than what Alec Thomas is. I mean, Tommy Edmond has a better average. He's got a better on base percentage. Now you're looking at more split heavy with something like that. But I think the same can be said for Alec Thomas. The real question is he's not the 
everyday center fielder has been. But like you mentioned, it's because we've seen him as a second baseman. It's because we've seen him as a shortstop. And I, I specifically remember Cardinals fans screaming that they wanted a Chris Taylor the time he was dominating with the Dodgers because he could do everything. Well, I mean, that really is Tommy Edmond. And somebody said, put Brendan Donovan in center field. He could do no. that. I would much rather have Tommy Edmond in center field, who I saw, what was it, like 300 Donovan's innings? Not a center fielder, guys. Come on. Let's, like, that's ridiculous. He's not even really an outfielder. He had 300 innings last this past season in center field, and he was very good in it for you. I'm concerned because the arm makes me a little skeptical. But, hey, I, I mean, Tommy Edmond proved that he can handle it at least better than anybody else in on this roster. So that's not settling to me going out and re-signing a guy that you had here for eight years in Harrison Bader or bringing in somebody who is just the defensive minded center fielder. That would be settling. So we have a few other texts that are kind of to that degree, Alex, of guys, here are the other options that the Cardinals could go with in center field because Tommy Edmonds clearly not the guy. One of those is Harrison Bader. Another is Kevin Kiermeyer, both of whom are free agents this offseason. I like Kevin Kiermeyer. You guys know. I've talked about in the past, hey, if you don't have a true center fielder, that's the guy that I would look to potentially acquire either via free agency or previously via trade. Well, Kevin Kiermeyer, while excellent defensively, has always been a below average bat for his career. He's about 2% below league average offensively. He's got a 718 OPS in his career. You guys know where Tommy Edmonds at in his career? OPS wise, about eight points better. OPS plus wise, about 2% better. Tommy Edmonds is a slightly better hitter in his career than Kevin Kiermeyer is. By the way, fewer injuries, five years younger. Harrison Bader, a year older, more injuries, and a below average bat. About 8% worse offensively. And if you want to go by OP OPS, you don't like the nerdy advanced numbers, about 20 points worse on OPS. So I've got a better hitter. I've got a capable defender that, I mean, might project this season to be similar, if not as good as Bader and Kiermaier and a guy that has proven to be healthier more often than either of those two guys. Harrison Bader played in less than 100 games each of the last two seasons. The last time he played in more than 105 games was 2019. Kevin Kiermaier played in 129 games this year, but previously 60, 80, 90. He's a guy that doesn't stay on the field very often. You look at Tommy Edmond, the back of his baseball card, each of the last three seasons, 130 plus games. That's the guy that I'm moving on from. Uh, -uh not for one of those two players. Yeah, no, I, I think in a, if you had a unlimited budget, I still think you would explore one of those guys, but without that, I think you, I don't think it's settling on Tommy Evan because I think he is a capable bat and he is good enough defensively out there in center field. And, and I, I think for him, I, I think it's just all about that closing speed and the ability to get to the ball when it's in the air because that was their biggest issue last year was defense in the outfield. And why? Because balls were falling so often when they were hitting to the gaps. And, and they were becoming extra bases. Yeah, they weren't They weren't being held to either outs or singles. They were getting down and they were becoming doubles. And that's what really killed this team. So I don't think you're settling. And I think for people that say, well, then you're playing a guy out of position. No, his position, though it will be listed on any site that you see as second base or he came up as a second baseman, his position is utility. Yep. And utility means he can play every position but catcher and pitcher. And he's different than Donovan in that regard in that he's good at all of those positions. Yeah. Brendan Donovan Whoa. is passable. Brendan Donovan just won a positions. gold glove at those positions. You guys know I'm the biggest Brendan Donovan fan that you will find. Starting to He's question passable it. defensively, basically wherever you put him, at second, third, left, right. 
he's he's fine at any of those positions. You can play him at first if you need to in a pinch. He is not above average necessarily at any of them. I think Gorman at this point is a better second baseman defensively than Brendan Donovan. He's certainly not better than either of the two guys that you have on the corners, either in the infield or in the outfield right now. So maybe you could argue Jordan Walker. I think Walker next year will compare him to Brendan Donovan and say Walker's a better defender in right field than Jordan than uh, Brendan Donovan is. You know what the problem is, T-Bone? I think baby's tum-tum's upset. <laughs> oh, I think he's ba- hungry? I think baby's tum-tum needs some yum-yums. <laughs> we'll get to that at the end of the hour. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line. By the way, yesterday we got news that game one of the World Series was the least watched World Series All game right. one in the history of the World Series. That actually surprised me. I thought there would have been one, maybe somewhere, that was a lower-rated game. Mm -mm, Not a single one of them. This is why Rob Manfred's in his office going, Son of a, we need changes to baseball! Yeah. Uh, 9.3 million viewers was the total. In 2020, during the COVID season, game one between the Dodgers and the Rays got 9.5 million viewers. So 200,000 more viewers for that one than this one. For what it's worth, postseason ratings are up overall compared to last year's but this world series is certainly not going to help in that regard coming up in about 15 minutes or so we're diving into some nfl quick hitters there has already been one significant trade in the nfl earlier today we'll get into that or takeaways from it coming up at 11 30 plus are we going to see another trade of significance from a team that we watched last night we'll get into all of that coming up at 11 30 but next is this a roster construction issue for the blues and alex if they don't start scoring more goals What can we learn about this team after the 10-game stretch? We'll talk about that all coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Do I like the way this is happening? No. Is it the roster construction? No, I don't believe so. I think your roster can be competitive with most of the teams in the league because otherwise, how do you explain beating the Penguins here like you did? How do you explain beating the Flames? It's going to be up and down for a while here until they figure out, one, how to use this system properly, how to turn offense out of this system. They haven't figured that out yet. That's going to take some time. This is maybe a roster construction issue, but according to Jamie Rivers, who was on the fast lane yesterday, talking about this with Anthony Stalter, not so sure yet. We're not there just yet. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we'll get into some NFL quick hitters, including the latest news as today is the trade deadline in the NFL. Alex, Jamie says, uh-uh, not so sure about this just yet, about being a roster construction issue. Otherwise, how do you explain the wins against Pittsburgh and Calgary? In your mind, do you view the Blues' start to the season as a potential roster construction issue? I, I, I do actually. Uh, when I look at the <clears throat> excuse me, when I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins game and the Calgary Flames game, those are clear cut two of the best games that the Blues have played this season. Uh, those two games, I think, and this just might be my opinion. I, I think you beat a team that are in worse roster construction situations. Calgary, for example, Calgary is the prototypical St. Louis Blues from the 2022-2023 season. They've got their top players who are pending UFAs that don't know if they want to be here. They don't have really an identity of how they're trying to play. Their top players aren't performing. Their goaltending hasn't been any good. They're you from last year. It's like back to the future. And then with the Pittsburgh Penguins, I mean, look, on paper, Pittsburgh looks like they should be a dominant powerhouse. 
Pittsburgh right now is in a situation where it, it really feels like, and we did this in the office, it feels like the San Jose Sharks, where you're trying to throw all of these veterans into a lineup and say, hey, go win us hockey games, go win us hockey games, where in reality, you're really just relying on Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, and you've got some guys that are a little bit older, you got some some you lack speed on that team. And that's why the blues looked good against those teams because they were faster. They were, they were a better constructed roster because they were on the same page. I think when you look at Vancouver, when you look at Winnipeg, when you look at Arizona, the three losses that were their worst losses, those are three teams that are on the same page exactly with what they're trying to accomplish. They know their identity. The roster's been in place for, what is it, three years now for most of these teams. They know what they're trying to accomplish. So when I look at the Blues, the one thing that's starting to make me more and more concerned is you're just lacking this chemistry right now. You're lacking this flow, this consistency on the ice together. Like defensively, you're finding ways to keep things to a minimum, although that Vancouver game showed you differently. Your goaltending has been outstanding but you're not generating any offense. And these guys, these top six players, with the exception of Kapanen and Verana, the other five have been on this team for the last three years, and you just don't have that flow with your line combinations. So Calgary's won six and one in their last eight games. The Penguins are two six and oh when they don't play Calgary so far this year. That is a combined three, twelve, and one. Those are bad hockey teams, man. And that's where two of your three wins have come so far this year. Now, to be fair, those are the teams on your schedule. And if those are the teams that you're going up against, I will give you credit when you play well, as we did on Friday. We gave the Blues the credit that they deserved, I believe, for beating the Calgary Flames. Absolutely. Not only did they beat Calgary, they kicked their ass. They played really well last Thursday night, but it was followed up by an embarrassing performance on Friday where they showed up and forgot that the hockey game was starting. By the time that they got through that first period, I think everybody looked around like, oh boy, we really got to raise our game a little bit. And then they get into the second period and it's even worse. Then it starts to really have that snowball effect. So the Blues so far this year, man, it is not hard to diagnose what's gone wrong. They can't score. They're scoring 1.8 goals per game so far this year through their first seven games. The only team that has been worse is whatever the hell they've got going on right now in San Jose. That is an abomination to the sport of hockey. They are horrific, and they knew they were going to be really bad coming into the season. Blues are in a retool, they believe. The San Jose Sharks in a full-blown teardown mode. They are trying to get the number one pick actively, so that way five years from now they can be good. They are now where Arizona has been for the previous few seasons. So they don't even really count in this regard. If not for San Jose, you'd be last in the NHL in goals. Well, I see the issue. You kind of got to score goals to win, typically. Alex, I looked this up before the show today because I was curious because the Blues right now are on pace to score fewer than 20 goals in their first 10 games of the season. So less than two goals per game, first 10 games. You're through seven games right now. If that ended up being the case through 10 games, they would join the likes of the 2022 Montreal Canadiens, 2022 Arizona Coyotes, and I believe it's six other teams since 2016. So in the last seven seasons, there are six other teams that have scored 20 or fewer goals in their first 10 games of the season. Out of all of these teams, one did not select in the top 10. That team selected 11th. 
It was the 2017 Kings. That'd be an improvement in our eyes. That would be improvement. None of these teams made the playoffs. None of these teams even really got all that close to the postseason. The best season was that 2017 Kings team. They had 86 points on the year. Every other team had 71 or fewer. In fact, the Kings show up on this list twice. I don't think that is a coincidence considering the fact that that is the team that Doug Armstrong has compared this retool to. So, Alex, when you hear all of that, the Blues lack of scoring, the teams that are going through this, where they ended up, what does it tell you? It tells me that this team is still right now in between. It tells me this team is still trying to figure out who they are, and this kind of goes into why I personally feel like they might have a roster construction problem because you're lacking goal scoring while you you built this team, this new era of Blues hockey, underneath the umbrella of Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. Now, it's not all on them. I mean, obviously, two guys can't win hockey games for you, but those two guys have combined for two goals right now, and they're split up together, where you constructed this thinking that those are going to be your top lines. Look at what Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz are doing right now. Like, that is a one-two punch that Arizona can't break up. You don't have that right now with Kyrou and Thomas. Pavel Buchnevich, although, again, he was hurt in the first couple of games. It took a little bit of ability to get underneath his feet. You haven't seen the, the game breaker that we thought of. And then the depth of scoring that we thought this team had, it's not really there right now. So, I, I and, I mean, we didn't even get into the defensive side of things to where you were relying on offense from your defensemen. And right now, I mean, Tori Krug hasn't gotten a point on the season. Nick Letty's got one goal. Nick Letty, one player on your team with more than one goal. Yeah. We're through seven games. You have one player that scored multiple goals, and they both came in the same game. It's Brandon Saad. Yeah. That's it. And, and so this is why I look at this team right now, and uh, I, can you get it right? Absolutely, because a lot of teams sit there and act like, look, 20 to 30 games is when you really start to see an identity, and teams can figure it out. But I'll give them three. I'll give them three more. Games? Yeah. If, you, if you're this bad offensively through 10 games, oh, let's that give doesn't them, get fixed. Let's give them three more against Colorado, New Jersey, and Montreal. Go up I against mean, the best. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to score if they're going to win those games. It, I, I said this yesterday. You're not going to beat Colorado 2-1. to one. If you're you not. get through the next three games and you're in this group of teams where you're scoring 20 or fewer goals through 10 games, then I think it is more than reasonable for us to say this team is not going to score this year. And if you're not going to score... You can't be good, man. And this is where the roster construction be. comes into play. If you if you aren't scoring goals, if your two guys that are at the top aren't finding the back of the net or at least creating a, a, a dangerous line to play up against, then I look at a roster and I say, okay, well, you might have the wrong players. And guys, this is what Doug Armstrong said coming into the season. He talked about evaluating if we have the right players with the right attitude to lead this team out of this era into another one. And you're about to find that out. But that's what's concerning about this. The group. Kings that he has compared them to in 2018-2019 were 30th in the league in goal scoring. The next season, 30th out of 31 in goal scoring. The next season, 27th in goal scoring. If that is the comparison for the Blues, it's going to be a minute, man. It's going to be a minute before this becomes a team that is legitimately competitive. They had a three-year retool, rebuild, whatever the hell you want to call it at this point. I don't even care. And then they got back to the postseason. This might be year two of that for the Blues. We might be in the middle of them trying this transition and hoping that, hey, Maybe this will work with Verona. Maybe it'll work with Kapanen. If not, whatever. It's not really a big salary. It's not a long-term commitment or anything like that. They need to get this thing figured out within the next couple of seasons. We all hoped that it would get turned around quicker 
but it, it's starting to feel like what he said was right, that it is going to take at least three years. Do you guys want great news? Sure. Yakub Verana is on the number one power play unit. Oh, now we're really going to start scoring goals. Stanley Cup or bust now? Yeah. Uh, it's a little disappointing. It took seven games to get to this point, well, but he needed. He a, showed something in the last game. Yeah. Well, he didn't play the last game. He really a nice, showed him a something. nice suit. Yeah. He, he showed, showed something nice in the last off. practice, is what you're saying. So his reward for getting benched for two games is to be promoted to the number one. Well, unit. you got to give him cookies. So here's what the power play units are, according to Jeremy Rutherford. Stop looking at me with that face. Baby I'm needs, ju- I'm just baby trying. needs yum-yums. I just need you to explain to me how this makes sense. Well, I'm not it's saying not it's so much. It's not as Verona as it is they're breaking up that number one power play unit. I don't think this is a reward to Verona. I think this is actually well, a, it is. If I'm, well, if yeah, I'm Verona, Verona, I'm sitting there it's, saying, it's about damn okay, time. Okay, man. but it's not Agreed. Barubi, it's not Barubi and the coaching staff sitting in an office being like, you know what, Verona needs to go up to the unit because he right, looked but good if those you're two benching games. Benching him, and then after two games of him being benched, your reward is going to move you up in the lineup, and we're going to put you onto the power play unit. I don't know really what lesson is learned there. You're not trying to make a lesson with him. It wasn't even about the power play. It was the five on five. The lesson here is your number one power play unit wasn't working. And you broke it up. Kairou and Shen are now on the second unit with Hayes and Saad. And Kairou, by the way, Justin Falk is on the number one power play unit. And this is, I'm I'm looking at JR's tweet. He's got the top one, Thomas Booch, Falk, Verona Kapanen, Krug, Kairou, Shen, Hayes, Saad. Now. We'll find out who the actual oh, yeah, number the, one unit is. In the second, the, the, the second one that you listed there, Krug, Kairu, Shin, Hayes, Sod. That's your first unit. Oh, see, they, I, they I promoted Hayes. That's oh, what they did. Oh. I can't tell if he's being sarcastic or not. He's being, being sarcastic. Serious. No, your number one unit is Thomas, Booch, and Verana. I don't know that I agree. Yeah, because your your number one centerman is on the number one power play unit. Is he your number one centerman? Well, considering he's been getting the most ice time and taking those faceoffs, I would say Maybe so. Maybe that's something that should change too. Coming up next, we're getting Jesus. into some NFL quick hitters. Somebody should punch him in his nose. Put him in the past stupid box. face. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hutchinson on a stunt. He gets picked up wide open and overthrown is Devontae Adams. That's what it sounded like last night on ESPN as Devontae Adams was missed on another deep passing play. He then went to the bench, threw his helmet in disgust, and then just looked at his hands and prayed to the gods that he would be traded today. And now Adam Schefter has come out and said there is, quote, not a chance in hell, end quote, Uh that Devontae Adams will be dealt. Poor guy. 
Alex, can you imagine? All he wanted to do was get traded to Vegas to play with his college buddy and Derek Carr. He just Carr. wanted to go back home to play with his buddy. That was it. And then guess what? Then they just slapped him across the face and said, no. And I know people are bringing up, well, he could have just stayed in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Sure. Did you see what happened with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, a, he, he fell Jordan off of a Love. cliff. And B, he left the next year. So his opportunity was stick around to play with what we now know is a terrible quarterback in Jordan Love long term or go to Vegas where at least it's warm. Play with your college buddy and hang out at home. I don't know why we're surprised by this, though. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not a good quarterback. He was an average quarterback that was looking good in a Kyle Shanahan system. And now you go to a Josh McDaniels team that looks like it's lost. And I, if I'm Devonte Adams, I'm pissed, too. Because sure. I was promised something completely different than the crap that you're providing me right now as a player, and I'm wasting my best years on this team. So I, I think it's a joke that they're not trading him. The guy doesn't want to be there. Trade the guy away. If I'm Vegas, though, I wouldn't trade him either. Why? You're not competing anytime soon. Because at least I have Devontae Adams. Yeah, with a quarterback that can't hit him. I'll on figure a that barn. out this offseason. We'll go barn. get Kirk Cousins. Oh, yeah, that'll He's work. not going to be able to play for the first, like, seven <laughs> weeks. One Kirk Cousins is significantly better Jimmy than whatever Garoppolo it is Jimmy Garoppolo can hit the broadside of a barn. This team's so bad they might get a top five pick. We'll draft a guy. Who, like Who also couldn't hit the barn. Probably. At least he's different. And I've still got Devontae Adams for him to throw to. I'm not trading Devontae Adams if I've got him. By the way, the Devontae Adams trade in the extension that came afterwards was one of the single biggest... Um, domino effect moves of the last decade in the NFL. If you think back to what took place afterwards, that was the move and the contract that changed everything for Tyreek Hill with Kansas City. Tyreek had a contract that was basically worked out with the Chiefs. The extension gets announced from Devontae Adams where it's basically $30 million a year and Tyreek's people went back to the Chiefs and said the price of business just went up. The Chiefs said, well, no, we're not giving you $30 million a year. So find somebody who will. He did. He went down to <laughs> Miami. They were like, "Ah, oh, we'll give you 30 million a year. Damn it. <laughs> it's worked out well for Tyreek. It's worked out well for the Dolphins. It's honestly worked out well for the Chiefs. They, they won a Super Bowl last year. Yep. Need a wide receiver, but won a Super Bowl <laughs> last year. You think about other places where this affected them. The Tennessee Titans decided to trade A.J. Brown because they didn't want to give him the new kind of money that receivers were asking for. They send him to Philadelphia. It's worked out well for A.J. Brown. It's worked out well for uh, Philadelphia. The GM that made that deal in Tennessee has since been fired. There are so many implications. By the way, Green Bay, they really could use a Devontae Adams right now to help out their nah. first-round quarterback. <laughs> They're probably going to have a coach that ends up getting fired in the next couple of seasons. It's a lot of implications for what took place with Devontae Adams, and he's the, really the one guy that came out of it in the worst-case scenario. All right, other where or elsewhere, in the NFL, other way. Other way, like stuff you, you sound wear? like you're hungry. Baby <laughs> needs some yum yums. NFL, we'll get there in about 10 minutes. <laughs> the Commanders and Bears have agreed to a trade that is expected to send Montez Sweat to Chicago for a 2024 second round pick. Montez Sweat is a defensive end. He's a very good defensive end. He's an unrestricted free agent this upcoming offseason. Alex, the expectation is that the Bears will give him a long-term massive extension. What do you think about this from the Bears' perspective? I mean, I like it. You're building towards something. I'm still not sure if you have the quarterback in place that can make you a playoff contending team. But, I mean, your defense, to me, was a bright spot last year. And then, of course, you made the trade to send, I forgot what his name was, over to Baltimore. Um, defensive Rokon, line. Rokon oh, yeah. But I mean, look, this is if you're making this trade, I'm imagining you're locking him up long term to keep him around with the core of your team. 
So you're you're building towards something. You're going to have a really good draft pick this year. Hopefully you can see some t- sides of positive steps forward with Justin Fields. Maybe within a couple of years, we're talking about a Chicago Bears team that's competing in the playoffs. Yeah, now you've got, I would say, arguably the most important position locked up on defense, which is a guy that's going to get to the quarterback. So I like to deal from the Bears' perspective. I think they're going to look for a quarterback this offseason. I think they're going to move on from Fields trade him, get some capital, and they look like a team that's going to be drafting pretty high up in the draft as well. So they're basically going to start anew, and they're going to start. It's different than what the Texans did because the Texans drafted their quarterback and also drafted their defensive end. This time you're trading for the defensive end, and then the following offseason you go and acquire your starting quarterback. There's $100 million in cap space available to the Bears. They're more than fine when it comes to the money. I like the deal a lot. Now, you have to get him signed. That's the next thing that has to take place. You've got to work out the long-term extension. And because you paid for him, the player has all of the leverage. Like, he's he now can ask for basically whatever it is that he wants. And so you're going to have to overpay him. So be it. You're paying the bad team tax. That's what the Jaguars had to do to be able to get out of their hell whenever they were a terrible organization. They paid a bunch of defensive players to hopefully come help them. Now they've got a quarterback. They've got the defense in place, kind of. And you hope that it builds into a contender. That's what Chicago has to believe in now moving forward. All right, boys. We are officially at the midway point of the NFL season. Who today would be your MVP? If you had to pick an MVP of the league today, who would it be? I can't believe how difficult of a question this is to answer because I I don't have an obvious one. I don't either. Um, I mean, would it be Tyreek Hill? Is that crazy to say? Because he's been the most dominant player that I've watched. I, th- I think A.J. Brown is up there on that list this year. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I-, I think I would have to put Jared Goff in this conversation with the amount of offense that the Detroit Lions have created. I mean, Mahomes is the favorite, by the way, which seems insane to me. Someone said Christian McCaffrey, but Christian McCaffrey's sure. been hurt for what, two weeks now? Uh, you he's could play oh, has he? I think so, right? He's played every game. Yeah. I think he did. He miss. I one? thought he missed I feel a like week. He missed one. I could be wrong. I know he scored like sixteen. Yeah. Touchdowns in the last sixteen I mean, games. I, I think mine would probably be either Tyreek Hill or Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he'll win it, but as of today, I think Tyreek Hill would be my answer. I, I put Jared Goff in there too. I mean, you've scored two hundred points so far this season, which is the second most in the NFC behind the Eagles. And I mean, I'm not putting Jalen Hurts as my MVP. After I'll give you the I saw top odds real quick. It's Mahomes, Hurts, Tua, Lamar, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence. Wow. Joe Burrow, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Justin Herbert. Finally at 50 to 1, Tyreek Hill. I'm sorry, but I'm not having Josh Allen anywhere towards the top as he is right now. Jared Goff is more of an MVP than Josh Allen right now. I mean, MVP's basically become quarterback of the year. Yeah, well, it's it's name recognition. Yeah, I would would vote for Tyreek Hill. He's the, like you said, he's the most dominant player I've seen this season. He's a cheat code. He's a cheat code. Tua can just dump the ball off to Tyreek Hill, and then he's like a little water bug that just goes 70 yards. He is, we talked about left-handed bats in the playoffs in baseball. Kyle Schwarber can kill you with one swing. Tyreek Hill can kill you on any reception. He could catch the ball from his own one and go 100 yards and score a touchdown. That's how dominant he is. So I think I would vote for him. I would not. I, golf I would push back on because I saw his pick six last night. Whoo, ugly. Uh, golf, I he's just a product of that offense. Yeah, I I don't think there's a quarterback deserving of it right now. I really don't. I think my top two players in terms of the MVP today would be Tyreek Hill and Jalen Hurt, or excuse me, and then A.J. Brown. 
And then I would say third, I do think it's fair to put Christian McCaffrey up there. He has played in every game so far this season. So we didn't miss that McCaffrey's been excellent so far. And I think he has been the best player on that team. He has 650 rushing yards so far this year. And we know he's always a dominant piece in the passing game as well. He's added another 300 yards through the year. I, I think he would be third on my list. And then we can start talking about the quarterbacks. None of the quarterbacks have been good enough so far this year to be deserving of an award like this. Not I, yet. I think Tua would probably lead the charge. But again, he's like when I think Tua, and this isn't to take a shot at Tua, but when I think Tua, I go, oh, he's having Tyreek. success because Tyreek. Yeah, I think Tyreek's been the best player on that team. Someone said uh, J, uh, Josh Allen is leading the NFL in touchdowns. Isn't he leading the NFL in interceptions too? I don't think it's interceptions, but I do think he's right up there when it comes to turnovers. Turnovers. he's had yeah. some fumble Fumbles. issues as well. Um, which is always the case with him. That's that's something that you just have to deal with. Um, he has on the season eight interceptions, which is second in the league. By the way, tied with Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. All of those guys are just turning the ball over. Mahomes too much. was overrated. Coming up next, three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get to questions and answers, and I will eat my first. Uh, oh, here comes food. the airplane. We're going with the squash. Ooh, oh, yeah. Bad choice. Bad choice. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. So this is the segment, huh? This is the segment when we do it. Maybe you should do questions, questions and answers first, here on 101 ESPN. 314 is the air comfort service sex lines. I Mouse. can't, dude. Dude, I can't. <laughs> the squash. Oh, God, I can't. Can you zoom in? on? Oh, God. Dude, it's bad, man. This food stinks. Dude, and you got to like, hold on. You got to get like a good spoonful of this. Oh, it smells so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, that's bad. You better put your bib on, little baby. You're going to get it all over your pretty <laughs> yeah. clothes. Why did I agree baby to Baby fussy. People said this one isn't that bad. I think I'm going to throw. Oh, I'm telling you, dude, it's going to be bad. I'm I'm really disappointed you oh. didn't get the puree beef. Oh, okay. I think you should probably do questions and answers first, because if you vomit, I'm going to have to walk out of the room. I don't do well with puke. All right, we'll get some of your questions first. Um, oh, God. What I can the Blues it. do if Kyra and Thomas have disappointing seasons and they're still a playoff team? They're still a playoff team in Cairo and Thomas. Uh, I would go to the gas station and buy oh. some lottery tickets. I don't, I don't know how that's possible that they're having disappointing seasons and they make the playoffs. It's hot and sweaty in here now. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I was gonna say if they have disappointing years, I. They're not making, they're not the, making playoffs. the playoffs. The only way they make the playoffs is if those two are having career years. They that's don't, how they I, make it. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I uh, Booch would fall in this category. Outside of those three, Thomas, Kyra, Booch, you don't have a game breaker on this team. You don't offensively. I mean, I would argue probably goes showing Verona, signs. Of I being think Verona a, could be maybe if, he gets if he's the not in the time. press box. Yeah, if he gets the ice time. So I, I would say yeah, those two struggle. Like then you're basically saying, uh-huh. hey Booch, carry us to the promise. <laughs> Well, and, I, and that Bennington. won't happen. Or be, be, the way you make the playoffs, so those guys have a disappointing season. And Bennington wins a Vesna, wins a Vesna. But as yeah. we saw against Vancouver, when that dam breaks, breaks, the water overflows. He said, "Is there a bigger, more overdramatic person than BK?" I don't think so, but I think it's necessary. We'll find out when he vomits in the trash can. Next uh, guys, anyway, Lindholm or Hannafin ends up with the Blues. Alex, <laughs> um, until you get your issues corrected no 
I mean, you're you're got you got two guys that don't want to stay in Calgary because they're a team that isn't competing for a playoff spot, and right now there's a lot of dysfunction. So I, unless you become a team that looks like you're taking major steps towards postseason, then no. Unless you're giving them a ton of money, and the Blues don't have a ton of money. I'd like them to. Do you know how you get them to sign here? You trade for them. All right, let's do it. Problem is, I'm in. you don't have a lot that Calgary was probably interested in right now. Uh, 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers. This one comes from the 618. Guys, I saw yesterday that the Josh Dobbs situation has gotten kind of weird in Arizona. They're going to start a rookie this weekend instead of him. Does that mean that they're trading Josh Dobbs by the end of the day today? Yeah, probably this the Cleveland weird. Browns. Did you, Did you hear my report yesterday that I said on the air? <laughs> going to get traded to the Cleveland Browns. They're just going to let him go to the other sideline. Yeah, he's going to the other sideline this week. Yeah, I, I thought they're this starting was... Clayton Toon? Probably. The Looney Tunes? Is that what they're going with? Really? Really? I saw enough from him on his one pass attempt to... So you know well, what? That's our be, guy. Could be worse. You could be going with the fifth round draft pick that the Minnesota Vikings are going to be throwing out there this week. This might be the worst week of starting quarterbacks that we've seen in years. Yeah. I Great. mean, it's it's going to be horrible. Great for a 14-team fantasy super flex league. <laughs> oh, dude. Which you Tonight's waivers out. are going to be wild. Yeah. Tell me about Somebody's it. Somebody's going to pick up Clayton Toon and start him this week. Already, confidently. Already put away for wire claiming for him. I, 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 you can't need up. him that bad. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I have one quarterback and he's on a bye week. You've got to have a wide receiver that can put up more points than Clayton Toon. I know, but my quarterback position is empty. So, I need a QB. Oh. <laughs> I picked up Jacoby Brissett last week in case he were traded at the deadline this week. I, like I had thinking. Will Levis on my bench this past week. He's got to be a starter. Well, I dropped him oh, because no. I needed a wide receiver, and I picked up your dude who you BKO'd in the Patriots, and sure. now I can't get Levis back. By the way, I don't think that was getting traded. Really? I think this was a true benching. I mean, look at four of his last five. He's thrown for under. Josh Dobbs. I mean, he's played terrible. Fine, but what did you expect from Josh Dobbs? That's fair, but he he's thrown for under 200 yards in his last four of his last five. <laughs> Riding around two hundred, I, I can't watch him eat it, man. He just, he just did the spoon. I did this, and I don't do this anymore. <laughs> he just did the spoon. Oh. <laughs> Head on over him. to our YouTube channel at one hundred and one ESPN SDL. No, I'm, I'm not feeding I've him. Seen our viewership spike. <laughs> no, what is closing your eyes gonna do? Yeah, I'd say hold your nose, but I don't have a clothespin big enough. Nice. That's not fair. Well played. All okay. Right, are we um, ready? Don't get it in your mustache because you're going to smell it the whole time. Here, hold on. Let me turn down the bed here. Oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Ready? God. Okay, here we go. Wait, you, you want, you want spoonfuls, right? You? you want me to feed you? Three. Here comes the airplane. Chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it. I've got the camera just on him. Chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it, chug it. Choo, choo. Oh, yeah, don't wash it down with anything, man. Oh, man. Oh, Oh, that is so much worse than I was. (laughs) Oh, that is really rich. It's burnt. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, Oh, well, while BK tries to sort. Don't feed your kids this. You think that's bad? Wait till you get to the peas. The peas are worse, man. Have you ever just had a pea by itself? Oh, that was so bad. Oh, God. Oh, God. Did you see how fast he did both spoonfuls? He tipped one and just went after the other. Oh, well, well oh, here it comes. He's going to vomit. I need to get out of the room. We've got Tinder Tuesday, free agent pitcher edition next on BK oh, and Ferrario. God. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Who does that, man? Are you a freaking animal? Jesus Christ. You just burped baby food in my face. What is wrong with you? That was not a good segment for me. Oh my God. All right, it's time for a Tinder on 101 ESPN, Jim Bowden put out his projected contracts for every top free agent. And Alex, it is time for me to ask you and T-Bone if you are swiping right oh, if you yeah. like it or left if you don't with some of the top free agent starting pitchers that are available this offseason. You guys understand the rules? Hit me with it. Right if you like it, left if you don't, you get one super so be sure to use it wisely. All right, guys, let's start out with this one. Yoshi Yamamoto, seven years, $210 million. This is a gentleman that is 25 years old. He is a three-time winner of the Cy Young Award over in Japan. He's coming over. He's going to be posted this offseason. Seven years, $30 million per season. Alex, you swiping right or left on Yamamoto. Boys, I hate to do this so early, but it's time for a super swipe. <laughs> better than I thought wow. it was going to be. I I mean, yeah, it's $30 million, but it's seven years of a dude who's, what, 25 years old? Indeed. I, I, I'm all over this one. I, I think when it comes down to getting that top caliber pitcher, this is the best you can ask for. And this is the guy that's been screaming for Aaron Nola. But if I can go f- seven years, $30 million a year and get a guy who's 25 years old and can become the ace. Yeah, I'm super swiping that one right now. Frankly, I might consider eight years with this so that I can outbid other people. I would swipe right. I I actually like this deal. For someone that's 25 years old, seven years, you get him to his age 32, you're getting all the prime years for a guy that projects to be better than Kodai Senga. Senga was awesome for the Mets this year. So absolutely, I would swipe right. I'm going to save my super swipe. I'm going to be a little bit more cautious before I start really falling in love. Why? So you could use it on James Paxton. It will break after the first game of the season. Maybe not. not. We're not there yet. We'll get to his contract. Oh, I know what he's going to do. I'm going to swipe right on this one as well. I'm not a super swipe at this particular rate. Who is better to super swipe? Later on in the show today, we will talk about what I would super swipe for Yamamoto. We'll get to that coming up in the one o'clock hour. But I'm swiping right on this. If you can get him at 30 million a year. Yeah, I like that. And it's a seven year deal. You're getting him through his age 32 season. You're getting the prime of his career. And you just hope to hell that this guy ends up being as good as a guy like Kodai Singh. If he becomes that and you get that for the next seven years, yeah, sign me up immediately for something like that. All right, the next one, we're going to have three different pitchers that all fit into the exact same criteria, boys, because according to Jim Bowden, Jordan Montgomery 
Aaron Nola and Blake Snell are all projected to be right around the five year, $125 million range. So five years at $25 million per year. They're all 30 years old as they hit free agency, all going to enter their age 31 seasons next year. Alex, you swiping right or left on Monty, Nola, and Snell at five and one twenty-five. I'm swiping right on Monty and Nola, and I'm swiping left on Snell. Oh, wow, I, Snell worries me, man. I, and I mean, this is a this is a hell of a deal for a guy who's probably going to get a Cy Young this year. And I mean, you're giving everything you can ask for, but I think you're only getting it for two years. And then I think you're going to be paying twenty-five mil for the next three years of a bullpen arm that might not even be a good enough bullpen arm for you, Monty. I think you're going to get. A really good return on that deal. Same with Aaron Nola, but Blake Snell, I'm a little worried about. So I would swipe left on Monty because I have some fears that he's going to get overpaid this offseason, and he should get paid this offseason. I mean, he's been a hell of a pitcher in the postseason, but he doesn't have the stuff for me. I would swipe right on the Aaron Nola deal. I would not give him $200 million. I know we had that conversation a couple weeks ago. Five years at 25 mil per. I'm okay with that. I'm willing to do that one. Blake Snell, five by 125. Super swipe! He's super swiping on his He's, got, he's got the best stuff on the market. And I thought he'd get the Rodon deal, which is six years at 27 mil. And I thought he could even get seven years, too, because he's going to win. This will be his second Cy Young. But if it's five by 125, it's not as risky long term. You're probably going to get three to four years that are going to be really good in this contract. And it's at 25 mil, which isn't that bad because I think he's a guy that could get close to 30 potentially. So I would absolutely super swipe the Blake Snell deal because he's got the best stuff on the market. So I'm swiping right on both Nola and Snell. And I love this deal for Blake Snell in all seriousness. I, I would absolutely sign up for that. 25 mil a year. The upside is incredible. The downside is is there. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's as low as Jordan Montgomery's downside. Now, I like Jordan Montgomery a lot. You could see how it goes wrong, though, over the course of this contract, either with injury, which is the case for any pitcher. I understand that. But he has had a little bit of an injury history a few years ago or with just overall ineffectiveness. He's a left-handed pitcher that doesn't have crazy high velocity. If any of that stuff were to diminish, it can go quick for lefties because of how many right-handed hitters there are across the sport. So, I would swipe left on Jordan Montgomery. I don't want to pay him $25 million a year. He doesn't have the durability, the stability of a guy like Aaron Nola, and he does not have anywhere close to the upside of a guy like Blake Snell. I'm going to take both of those players before I take Montgomery. So I would swipe left on Monty, right on Nola and Snell. Next one up is a guy that we've spoken a lot about. People have very strong feelings about a Sonny Gray. The projected contract from... A former general manager who is now writing for The Athletic and Jim Bowden. Sonny Gray, three years, $64 million. So $21 million per year, Alex. He is older, about 33 years old. Swiping right or left on Sonny Gray at three years, $21 million per season. Yeah, this screams Cardinals move. Man, 21 seems a little high, but it's three years. And I think we've seen the durability that Sonny Gray can provide you. Mind you, this is not the only move. I think this is the number two move compared to the number one that I super swiped on, or even if it's Aaron Nola. But if I'm getting three years for Sonny Gray, and paying 21 mil, I think that's a good enough deal that makes this team competitive, so I'm right. Yeah, I'm swiping right, too. I He's got great stuff. He's a perfect number two to bring into this rotation, and it's just three years. I, a lot can go right in three years, and if even if it does go wrong, you're out of that contract pretty quickly, and I think that's right about the market I thought he would be at. Super Swap! Whoa. This is getting angry. 
this is at least surprising super yeah, swipe. Yeah, I was going to say, this is like T-Bone saying James Paxton. You're I telling me swipe him. that you over the two. last five years, a guy that had ERAs of 2.8, 3.7, 4.1, 3.1, and 2.8, he was under a 3.2 ERA in three of those five years? I'm getting that guy for $20 million a year? Yeah, let me get that guy in here. We'll put him in as the number two starter, and we'll figure out what to do around that. You have to sign somebody that is better than Sonny Gray. He should not be your opening day starter next year. That is my firm stance on the matter. But if you bring in Sonny Gray and he is the game two starter that you're expecting to have going into the postseason, you're in a really good spot as a starting rotation. That puts in Miles Michaelis as your number three, most likely. Steven Matz is your number four or five, depending on what you do at the back end of your rotation. I feel really good about where the Cardinals are at if Sonny Gray is their second best addition this offseason. Next one up is a guy that we haven't spent a ton of time on because he does technically have an opt-out clause that he would have to exercise first. Eduardo Rodriguez, five years, $90 million per year, essentially giving him the Wilson Contreras contract from a year ago. Alex, are you swiping right or left on Eduardo Rodriguez at five years and $90 million? I'm swiping right on this as my fallback if Sonny Gray doesn't happen. Because if I can't get Sonny Gray, and mind you, my hope is I'm getting Yamamoto or Aaron Nola. If I can't get Sonny Gray, then Eduardo Rodriguez is the route I'm going to go. Because I think he provides a lot of what Sonny Gray offers you. You've got the upside. I think the upside of Eduardo Rodriguez might be a little bit better than Sonny Gray. But you've got the swing and miss stuff. you got the guy who can give you innings. You've got some postseason experience. So I'm going to swipe right on this one. Because if, if he's available still and I don't get that second guy, I love this option. Yeah, I agree with everything Alex just said there. I, I would swipe right. I, five years feels like a lot. But I mean, $90 million, that's less than 20 mil a year. I absolutely would sign up for this as a fallback option. So I'm going to swipe right because if he pitches well, upside is he's a number two. I'm with you guys. All of these seem kind of reasonable, don't they? Yeah, that's why they're probably wrong. Yeah, I was going to say all of these add 10 mil a year. Maybe that's why. I think it's because all of them kind of fit into that mid-tier pitching market. None of them are like, you don't have this year a Jacob DeGrom. You don't have Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. Those guys aren't available. Instead, what you have is players that are kind of in that mid-tier really solid but nobody that's gonna kind of knock your socks off right and they're all right around that 30 year old range as well so you're not getting guys that are getting to the market super early i would swipe right on eduardo rodriguez at 5 and 90 i do agree with you though alex it does make me wonder are all of these off a little bit in terms of they're a little cheaper than what it's actually going to end up costing a team all right next one up t-bone this has been a guy that you've talked a lot about now we are into the third best starter signings Lucas Giolito, two years, $24 million. Swiping right or left on the former White Sox, Guardians, and Angels pitcher. Left. Really? That, that guy looks good on the Can photo, I but I saw him in left? person. <laughs> I, I'm swiping left. He he fell apart down the stretch, and I don't... For two years and $24 million, it, he wouldn't do it. No. Okay. You need certainty in this rotation. You need a guy that when I bring him in, I don't have a project on my hands, and he's a project. So... I'm swiping left. Again, he's the typical. Looks good in his Tinder profile picture. Even as Not the third best starter. Him. Yeah, no, left. Yeah, I'm swiping left too. I There's there's other guys available either via trade or on the free agency that I feel like I can unlock potential rather than Lucas Giolito. He looked like a broken man after these. He honestly looked like what Jack Flaherty looked like when you traded him away. A guy that just lost it all and you're not sure if you can get it back. I would swipe right on this. This is a guy that's been durable since 2018. This is the number of starts that he's made by year in terms of the full seasons. This is not counting the 2020 season, which, by the way, he made every start that was available to him. 32, 29, 31, 30, 33. The guy is available every fifth day, or at least that's been his history so far in his major league career. Now, 
You're absolutely correct, T-Bone. The recent results are less than encouraging. The last two years, he has a 4.9 ERA, and that's not really him getting unlucky. That's been the results that were expected for him. You bring him in here, put him into a pitcher-friendly park, have him as your number four or five starter, 12 million bucks a year. You're basically on the Steven Matz contract. I would be totally fine with that as long as it's a one or a two year deal. You I'd, can't give him a long term deal. I'd rather I would want to do a one with an opt out. Honestly, I'd rather trade for Shane Bieber or Tyler Glass now than this. That's fair. I, the money plus not having to give up players on this one and him not being attached to a draft pick. I would absolutely consider Lucas Giolito on this specific price. All right. Next one up. Seth Lugo. Another one that would be the third best starter that you're bringing in. T-Bone, I know you've talked about him in the past. Are you interested in a Seth Lugo? Swipe right if you like it. Swipe left if you don't. I'm swiping right. I, I think he's a perfect number five starter in for your rotation. You look at last year, 26 starts, 3.57 ERA, 8.6 strikeouts per nine. He's a good number five starter. And I, I would definitely bring him in on this year. Two-year contract, that's what I'm expecting for a number five. I These are the kind of guys. I, I would say he's probably even taking my heart a little bit more than James Paxson because mm. Paxson got hurt down the stretch. I really mm. like Seth Lugo. Two-year deal, that seems about right for me. I'm swiping right on this one as well because I think he can be a five-starter for you or you can move him to the bullpen later in the season, especially if Zach Thompson picks up or if somebody kind of emerges in the minors, then Seth Lugo is a awesome piece to have in your bullpen. I'm swiping right on this one as well. Two years, $20 million. If you have him or Lucas Giolito as the third best starter that you signed this offseason, I'm more than happy with it. All right, the last couple that we're going to get to, we'll put them into one criteria because they're both the legit number five starter conversation. One of them's currently pitching in the World Series. Andrew Heaney, two years, $25 million. Essentially the same as what Lucas Giolito is projected to get this offseason. Or... James Paxton, the guy that we know Tanner Hendrickson oh, absolutely yeah. adores, Damn the former God. Red Sox starter, one year, $8 million. So, Alex, are you swiping right or left on Heaney at two years, 25, and James Paxton at one year, $8 million? I'm swiping left on both of these guys. Oh, interesting. I, they don't really interest me. Like, James Paxton, like Tebow mentioned, like, yeah, I like the idea. That's a pretty decent deal, but the injuries scare the hell out of me, and I've, I've stood strong on that hill for a long time. Andrew Heaney, like... He's had a good season, but I'd be a little worried of like what he did can translate if he comes to the Cardinals. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to swipe left on both of them. I'm out on both of these two. I'll go first. Why don't you make I know it sound might... like that? I was a jerk for I'm saying that. Um, Andrew Heaney hasn't been able to be fixed by either the Dodgers or the Texas Rangers. They both have very good staffs. I don't want to be the next one that tries to fix him when he's going into his age. What? 33 season. I'm good. I don't need to see anything more from Andrew Heaney. I know he's not the answer here in St. Louis. Hasn't been the answer elsewhere when contenders tried to make him into that player. I'm more interested in Paxton at one year, $8 million. But I would at that point just rather go the Giolito route, the Seth Lugo route, give an extra year, not a whole lot more money. I don't. I think I'm out. So swiping left on both Heaney and Paxton for me. I'm definitely out on Heaney. I would swipe left. I think you can get better numbers from Zach Thompson if you start him as a, as a number five. Paxton, I, I would still swipe right, but you guys are definitely right in worrying about the injury history because if you do sign him, you need to plan on him starting 10 games and Zach Thompson starting basically the other 20. So he's a little bit risky. I think if he's healthy, though, he's been a really good pitcher. So I'm willing to take the risk on it. You just hope, fingers crossed, he doesn't end up getting hurt, but I would definitely swipe right on him. Let's be honest, guys. Every lefty that we said on this list, Mo would definitely go, super yeah. slide. <laughs> So Michael, for put what your it's worth, scuba gear on. I, I know that we thought all of these seemed a little low in terms of the average annual value. I went over to SpotRack because they also put out projections for their starting pitching market. 
all of them are right in line with what Jim Bowden is projecting in terms of what they think these guys are going to get on an average basis. Now, they had Aaron Nola with an extra year. They have him at six years instead of five years. Uh, they've got Sonny Gray right around the exact same area. They have Eduardo Rodriguez making a little bit more. Instead of making 18 a year, they've got him at 20 a year. So technically a little bit more there. They've got Giolito getting a couple extra years. If he gets into the four-year market, I'm not interested at all in that. That's what uh, Spot Rack has projected. They've got Seth Lugo getting an extra year, but still at $10 million per season. I mean, it's it's kind of... It feels like these are kind of the ranges that you're going to be looking at going into this offseason. So it really does become a matter for um, Mo of finding out who's interested in them and then going out and getting it done, man. Just get the guys that you're looking for. If it ends up being true, Alex, that Aaron Nola is looking for a five-year deal worth $125 million and Sonny Gray is willing to sign a three-year deal worth right around 60 to $65 million, just sign both of them and call it a day. That's your, your offseason. It's $45 million per year. Over a three-year stretch where you have to pay both of them, you've got some money coming off of the books once again after the season. You can make that work within the constraints of your current roster. And if you decide not to tender a few of the guys that are currently up for contracts this offseason and arbitration as well, that's already an extra $10 million that's coming off of the books for this year where you can use that towards your bullpen. I think that's the route, man. Go out there, get Nola, get Sonny Gray, and then trade for that number five starter. And, and look, call it a and I know how the offseason goes. Players are going to want to see what's out there, especially if you're Aaron Nola. But get this done as quick as possible. Like, if you're Mo, approach these two and say, what is it that we can sign on the dotted lines to get this done? We want you, and we want you guys to be the top of our rotation. I think so. I'm just going to make this prediction, and I think Cardinals fans will freak out when it happens. They shouldn't, though. It'll be kind of like what happened with the Blues a few years ago when they went into the offseason, and the first move that they signed was signing, or they made was signing Tyler Bozak. And everybody freaked out that because they were like, Sonny Gray. that cannot be your number one center. Do not do this, Army. And people were mad, like big mad that day. And then later on, I think it was even that night, they end up making the trade yeah. for Ryan O'Reilly, and it's like, oh, okay, now I kind of understand what Army is trying to do here. I could see something like that where absolutely, Alex, exactly what you said happens. They say Sonny Gray is the first guy that we're going to sign because he is the top of that second tier in their mind. They're going to say, let's go get Sonny Gray, get him signed up. We'll make that done. And then we'll look at the trade options versus the starting pitching market for that number one starter. And we'll decide what we want to go with there because there are multiple options in that bucket of what we're looking for. So don't freak out if Sonny Gray is the first one they sign. That does not necessarily mean they're done in the offseason. Don't freak out when they sign James Paxton and say, all right, good deal. That one you should celebrate because that (laughs) is the number one that they've been searching for. Coming up next, would you rather see Mizzou beat Georgia but finish with a nine and three record or lose to Georgia and finish 10 and two. We'll talk about that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. T-Bone on BK. Big game coming up this weekend for the Missouri Tigers. Mizzou at Georgia. It's a 2.30 start in that one on CBS. Did you guys see uh, that they've got like the third tier crew going to that one? 
the, the, just top, disrespect the top CBS it. crew is going to Alabama versus LSU. That's where Makes game sense. day is going There's as well. There's disrespect floating around with the Missouri Tigers, and they'll just prove the doubters wrong. STP, something to prove. That's been is that what STP stands for? I saw, I saw Drink's tweet when Ryan, uh, whatchamacallit? Ryan Wingo. And I'm like, what does that stand for? Like, did he mean to put an F instead no. of a P? No, no. But, STP, something to prove. That's what that's what Missouri's you know what? Uh, motto has been so far just, this year. Just Ooh. just type it out, you know. No, no, no labels. No, man, so the reason why I bring kids. this up, Alex, is because I heard Gabe Diarmond <laughs> of Power Mizzou ask an interesting question on his podcast the other day. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Would you rather? And you guys can get your answers in on this as well on the text line is three one four three nine 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 six four six. Would you rather see Mizzou beat Georgia, but finish the season nine and three, Ooh. or lose to Georgia? And finish the season 10-2. and two. So in the scenario where you beat Georgia, you win this weekend. You beat the number one team in the country on the road. It is the best win that anybody's had so far this year. There is no close second. But then you lose two of your next three games against Tennessee, Florida, or Arkansas. Option two, you lose this weekend. You lose on the road at Georgia. No harm, no foul. Everybody loses on the road at Georgia. But you went out. And you end up as the second best team in the SEC East. You get to double-digit victories. You go to a nice bowl game this year. But you don't have a signature win. You lost to LSU. You lose to Georgia. Your wins came against Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, basically the mid-tier of the SEC. And then you got a really nice home win against Kansas State earlier this year. I don't mean to overlook that. Which of those scenarios would you rather see for Mizzou this year? So correct me if I'm, well, correct me because I might be wrong here. 10 and 2, you wouldn't have a shot at the SEC championship game. Georgia would have the head-to-head victory. You would have two losses. They would be three games up with three games to play. But 9 and 3, you wouldn't either, would you? Uh, Correct. Either way, you don't win the SEC East. But you have a win against Georgia on the road, signature victory. That'll be the single best Mizzou win since last time. You beat Georgia, but what does that really? So more than a decade. But what does that really get you? Like it gets you what bragging rights? Like I, as much as I would love to see that Georgia win, then losing two of the the remainder of the games, like you're talking some bad losses. Yeah, you're losing to probably Tennessee and Florida would be most likely the way that that would go. Uh, that so you would beat be, Georgia, and then the next two weeks you lose both of those. That would be very frustrating for me watching how great of a season this has been compared to if they lose to Georgia in a tight game but then win the rest of the way and pick up 10 victories. Like that feels, and I might be completely off with this, but that feels more significant in terms of the overall goal than winning against Georgia and then losing to Florida and Tennessee at the end of the season. So we got two texts back-to-back that I think are really really interesting, and they, they speak to the differences in how you view this perspective-wise. The first one comes from the 314. Guys, if they lose to Georgia and finish 10-2, and two, that feels better because if you beat Georgia and finish 9-3, and three, it feels like you wasted the fact that you just beat Georgia. Another one. BK, this is a stupid question. Of course you take beating the number one team every time. Missouri needs to prove that it can beat Georgia or Alabama. Otherwise, you'll never be more than the second best team in the SEC East. I get both perspectives. I really do. And it's why I found it to be an interesting question when Gabe posed it on his podcast. I think I would take the 10 and 2 season. Because it's such a significant step forward. You're going to get an awesome bowl game out of that. And you'll finish the season ranked in the top 15 nationally. That being said, man, the feeling of being top 10 nationally after beating Georgia and being the team that finally did it. They're on, what, a 25-game winning streak right now? For you to end the longest winning streak in the in the sport right now, go down to Georgia on national TV, the spotlight game on CBS, 
and you do it there for you to be the first team to go on the road and beat the number one team in the country in 11 years. Nobody else has been able to do that. I do think it speaks to Eli Drinkwitz, and it speaks to what this program is building. It speaks to the talent that you're assembling, that you had the ability to go do that, and you punched up. You finally were able to beat a team that was clearly and definitively better than you. If you don't do that this week, and then you finish out the season beating Tennessee, beating Florida, beating Arkansas, what you really did was beat all the teams that you were supposed to this year and lost to the teams that were better than you. So I would probably take the 10-2 and season just because winning 10 games is awesome. But I understand why anybody would take the the win over the number one team in the country. Yeah, I, I would take the ten and two season as well because though I understand the perspective of well, hey, you punched up, you beat number one Georgia. If you lay back to back duds or you lose two or three, it it feels like that's not to take anything away what, from what that victory would be, but it would be viewed nationally as more of just a one off. Mizzou didn't they punched up, but it's probably not they're not here to stay because they just laid back to back eight. I don't care what people nationally think for what it's worth. I, okay, but I think that's what the story is going to be, and I would probably side with that story because if you lay eggs against teams that you're supposed to beat, even though you surprised Georgia, to me, it's out the window. That was, okay, you just played well for one game, and then you lay back-to-back eggs. I'd much rather have the 10-2, and two, and though now we say you should beat Tennessee, although I would say that's probably a toss-up still, Agreed. and you should beat Florida, and you should beat Arkansas, I think the thing, though, with that is, those games were not viewed that way coming into the year. So 10-2 and two is very much a success. I, I think we threw a lot of these games into the 50-50 category coming into the year because I thought they were 7-5 and five team. Yeah, but I think that as you see these teams play, you can see that there's there's changes that have taken place, and Florida's just not very good. I, I think Florida might finish the season with six wins. They're 5-3 and three right now. Their remaining schedule is Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, Florida State. I think they have one more win, and it's this weekend against Arkansas. After that, I think they're going to lose on the road at LSU, at Florida, and then finish out the season with a boat race at home against Florida State. So I I think they're just not very good, and Arkansas is terrible. Arkansas is horrific. They can't score. They are 2-6 and on the season. They're probably going to win one more game. That's against FIU. I think their coach might be fired the week that they come in, or the the week that they play against Missouri. And that's why you you can't lose two of those three teams that's that right. we just said. And because everything you said with I agree. And that's why, like, if you beat Georgia, yeah, that's a great win. You lay back-to-back eggs like that, though, I'm sorry, but 10-3 and three feels disappointing then. Somebody on the text line said, guys, everybody had Mizzou going 6-6. Six and six. Take the 10 wins. Not everybody had Mizzou going 6-6. Six and six. I say just this whole conversation is stupid, and they should beat Georgia and win out. Yeah, somebody on the text line said, guy, why can't they win 11 games? They, they can. That's... It's just a, stop giving me these two damn scenarios. Then I had Mizzou going eight and four, nine and three this year. I think Alex, you did too, didn't yeah, you? Well, I said ten, and Tanner laughed at me. T Bone was the one that had him winning six games because he's a hater. Coming well, up, Drake next. finally proved he can coach. What? Yeah. What would it take for us <laughs> to believe that the Blues are transitioning oh. from a retool to a rebuild? And what would that look like? We'll talk about it next year on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's talk a little bit about the Blues. What would have to happen for this to become a rebuild versus what we're currently looking at here in St. Louis 
which I believe is a retool. I think it's fair for all of us to say that about this team. Alex, one thing that has to happen is this offense just has to continue struggling the way that it has. They have scored they're they're scoring an average of 1.8 goals per game so far this year. That means through 10 games, you would expect them to score roughly 18 goals. They've got three more games to get there. Hopefully, they're able to outperform what I just suggested. Alex, if they don't, if they score 20 or fewer goals in the first 10 games, there are only eight other teams since 2016 that have done that. Of those eight teams, seven of them ended up picking inside of the top six in the upcoming draft. The other one that didn't, picked 11th. Every single one of those teams missed the playoffs. All of them scored 86 points or fewer over the course of the season. Alex, when you think about it in your mind of what would have to happen for you to believe that this is a rebuild versus a retool, what comes to mind? So I think a couple of things pop up to me. One is if you're drafting in the top five this year, you're kind of going backwards in the sense of you were top 10 now you're worse than you were last year, but yet the core that is supposed to be in place taking you to this next era of Blues hockey hasn't stepped up to that level. So that's one of them. But then the other thing that I think has to happen for this team to really look at their at their roster and say, hey, this might be longer than what we originally thought, is if it's a down year by Thomas and Cairo. If you get to the point where these two guys haven't taken that step, and look, I, defensively, I, I think Kyrou has taken that step that we've all wanted to see. Like, he looks like a guy who you could put out there in any scenario, and he's making plays for you. By the uh, way, just on that real quick, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had an article earlier today about or about Kyrou and what he's done defensively. T-Bone mentioned this before the show. He said all of the right things that you would yeah. want to hear from him in that article, and he has been doing so since the preseason. So yeah. credit to him for all of that. He he looks like a guy that you would put out there in a scenario. Frankly, I'm, people are going to laugh at this because the offense hasn't been there, but he's the equivalent of kind of what William Nylander has been with the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of you put him out there in any scenario and you know that something good's going to happen. So that sense has been good, but if the offense doesn't come, if this is a line that you're putting out there against other teams' top lines and they're coming away with no points or an assist and you're losing these hockey games. Well, then you really do have to consider where you're at because you've got these 24 and 23 year old kids that are supposed to be getting into this next era. And if the winning hasn't followed and yet you're still losing, that's not this three year retool that they pictured. I mean, I'm looking at the, the history of the LA Kings just in the draft sense and To Doug Armstrong's point, you know, the Kings in 2017 drafted 11th overall. The next year they drafted 20th overall. Then they went three straight years where they drafted 5th, 2nd, and 8th. And then they got to the point where they really started to compete and selecting in the second round, trading away first round picks. But they had the pieces in place that could kind of take that young group into the next level in Kopitar and Doughty. And right now you're relying on Thomas and Kyra to do that. So that to me would signify, hey, this might be headed towards a rebuild instead of a retool. I I think you're right in terms of those are the two that kind of dictate where this goes. Because I think if Robert Tom, if one of, just one of, not both, but one of, Thomas or Cairo does not end up being the number one center or the number one winger that you thought, then I think things get a little bit more complicated for the St. Louis Blues. And offensively, I mean, I look at this roster now, and we talked about roster construction earlier, and we've mentioned this. It feels like you've got a lot of, like, third liners on this team. And not only third liners, but third liners that are under contract for the next two, three years. So you're almost stuck if you don't have Thomas and Cairo. And honestly, Bucinavich, I'm going to throw him into this conversation too. If those three can't figure out a way to build a dominant line dynamic, I think you got to blow, you got to 
blow it up, quote unquote, by trading at least probably Buchnevich, who will fall into that conversation, whether that be in the offseason or this season, if you're projecting towards being a bottom 10 team in the NHL again. And then also, too, you got to explore the idea of, okay, if Robert Thomas is not a number one center and he's making $8 million, what do we do with him? Do we have him as a number two centerman? Do we go out and add a number one centerman? And that's the kind of stuff you've then got to explore in an offseason. But then you're talking two, three years, I think, before you can really build a full roster around Cairo, and that's the only guy you have. Someone brings up a good question. They say, don't you need a top five pick to expedite this retool? No. Top five pick means you're waiting for that kid. Now, look, you could get somebody who steps into a role if he's a really good pick that could play this year. I mean, look at what Leo Carlson's been doing with the Anaheim Ducks. But typically that top five pick you're still waiting three years to get him to the level. I mean, Quentin Byfield was selected second overall by the LA Kings, and this is his first year where it seems like he's at the level that they needed from him. So a top five pick makes you good, but it makes you good in three to five years. It doesn't make you good right away. So from the 2021 NHL draft, um, out of the top five picks, four of the five have played at least 90 games so far this year. Only two have scored more than 20 goals so far in their respective careers. Now, the other two are defensemen, so it's worth noting that. And one of those guys is Luke Hughes, who is expected to be a really good player for the New Jersey Devils. But, yeah, I mean, is anybody saying, hey, you know what's going to really expedite the Columbus Blue Jackets rebuild? Kent Johnson. That's the guy that's going to do it for him. Yeah, they're like, still no, waiting no, for all those top picks to that. do it for him. Uh, Mason McTavish seems to be a really good player look for at how the long Anaheim Ducks, but... Yeah, it, it's going to take a minute. And then I I just I think you're going to have to wait. It, it, it is going to take some time. But, yeah, it, it would expedite things. I do think that if you had a top five pick and you just completely bottomed out this year, the the talent level is just different picking in the top five than it is picking at eight, nine or ten. Look at this past year's draft, man. If you this season, instead of having a what is it? The would they have the eighth pick, ninth pick, tenth pick, tenth pick overall. If you were in the top five. You're talking about Connor Bedard, Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli, Will Smith, or David Reinbacher. Those guys were the elite of the elite. Or you could have had a chance to be able to go out there and get uh, Matvey Mikov. Now, again, you could take some time to see those guys. Only three of the five players that I mentioned have appeared in an NHL, NHL game so far this year. But the ones that have have been pretty good so far. Mm-hmm. So it changes things definitely. It doesn't immediately make you good, though. No. It, it'll take another couple of years. I mean, honestly, a top five pick can expedite a retool if you trade that top five pick to something to get NHL-ready players. But uh, And somebody texted in and said, it's way too early for this, guys. Give them a little bit more of a chance. Look, it, there's still plenty of time to go, but you're really, re- you're really relying, if you're the Blues, and if you're Doug Armstrong, on Kairou and Thomas to take that step into being the best of the best on the ice. And, I mean, we've gone through games to where some games they've looked really good, but two. other, yeah, two. But other games, they were outplayed by the other team's top line. The Arizona Coyotes game, you were outplayed. They were outplayed by Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz. This game against the uh, Vancouver Canucks, you were outplayed by Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko. And those are guys that you have to outplay both on the offense and the defensive side of the puck. And if you don't, 
then this retool is going to take a little bit longer. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. A little bit of NFL news to pass, al- uh, pass along today is the NFL's trade deadline. The Cardinals are sending Josh Dobbs to the Vikings. Uh, according to a report that was just released, Kevin O'Connell says that Jaron Hall is still expected to start this week. Josh Dobbs, though, they're hoping to have him ready to play if needed. So it sounds like Jaron Hall will get the first crack at the starting job in Minnesota. My guess is by next week, you'll see uh, Josh Dobbs as the starting quarterback for the Vikings. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up taking over after halftime if things go poorly with Jaron Hall in that one. Uh, So that is the latest move that has taken place. A quarterback on the move. It is Josh Dobbs going to Minnesota. They play on the road at Atlanta on Sunday. Coming up next, we're diving into the junk drawer, and I believe I've got uh, some peas to eat. Oh, God, that is God, that, I'm telling you, you thought the last one <laughs> was bad. Thick. You will vomit with this one. Let's see me puke looks next gross. year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. And T-Bone on BK coming up here in a little less than five minutes. I'll eat some uh, pureed peas. <laughs> some pureed peas. <laughs> Looks delicious. Ah, oh, man. Junky. <laughs> oh, God. God. Peas aren't good, like, by themselves. Yeah, you could, gross. like, soak peas in butter and put salt and cook them, yeah, and they're still nasty. Bad. There are 60 peas in each tub. God, seriously, my daughter despises peas. So gave it to her, threw it on the ground. It's a very uh, short ingredient list. Just peas yeah, and water. Peas. Oh, There's That's water. Tip- oh, there is. Well, well, good. We don't need to wash it down with anything. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm going to implement a new rule. You can't take a drink until at least two minutes following I think a spoonful. Fair. Yeah, you can go straight to hell. You got to let the food But you should have brought in a sippy cup and put some milk in there. You got to let the fair, food. Oh, yeah, I should have actually. I hate milk, so I'm not doing it. No, that. I would have put water. We could have done Kara's breast yeah. milk in it. That's also not funny. <laughs> It's not supposed to be funny. It's a punishment. All right, Alex, what do you have for us today in the junk? Well, look, buddy, you're in a bad place right now, and it's a special day today, and I kept you guys in the dark for this one because I wanted to surprise you. I got a special junk drawer for everybody. It's time for some Halloween dad jokes, and I've got music. T-Bone! Oh, man. You got music? There's music and everything. Hold on. Let let the beat slap. Never say that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This music slaps right now. Hey guys, what did Dracula call his interior design book? Oh, Fang Shui. <laughs> okay. okay, that one was good. That was good. I don't say that very often about these. Why don't vampires ever attack Taylor Swift? This is, you know, current events. Because she's got bad blood. <laughs> T-Bone doesn't get the reference. No, so I, I got that stupid. <laughs> Why don't mummies have friends? They're tied up. They're too much wrapped in themselves. I knew something was wrapped up. I didn't know what, though. I like this one. What what does a panda ghost eat? A panda ghost? A panda ghost. uh, So a ghost of a panda. Bamboo. (laughs) (laughs) 
don't laugh at that one. That one was next. <laughs> I knew it was going to be bamboo. How'd you <laughs> Where do ghosts buy their food? At the ghostery store. Ah, that one was, that was bad. What do you call a, a skeleton that cleans? I have no idea on that one. He's a grim sweeper. <laughs> Oh, BK, this is actually uh, timely. You'll like Go this one. Hell. What's a pumpkin's favorite sport? Squash. <laughs> Get it? Because you just ate squash a little bit ago. Okay, I got three more, and then we'll listen to him eat peas and vomit. <laughs> oh. Why do you see so much hair when a werewolf drops his pants? Because it's a full moon. <laughs> That one was good. There you go. What does a ghost do when he gets in the car? He puts on a sheet belt. <laughs> this is this is by far my favorite the one. Full moon one was the best. This, one. No, this, this, this is this is an even better one. To beat that one. Why can't a man ghost have babies? Because he lacks a Halloweenie. Still not as good as the uh, as the other one. I feel like he's got a Halloweenie. Would no, be better. He lacks a Halloweenie. He can't have kids because he lacks a Halloweenie. If it's hollow though and it's a weenie, you also wouldn't be able to have kids. Just well, eat your peas. Uh, either way, the weenie's not working for the ghost, and that's why he can't have babies. Now you made me explain my joke. So I hope everyone has a, a wonderful Halloween. Make sure you tell your kids the uh, ones I just came up with. Somebody texted me, what do you call a whale with no underwear? <laughs> Some bad things came to my mind and I can't say them what. Free Willy. <laughs> Someone said simple minds are easily amused. Yeah, pretty much. I sit at home and try and make my two-year-old laugh. She doesn't understand half the things I say. Alex, I'm... Uh, huh? I underestimated how hard this one was gonna be because it's a mental, it's a mental thing. Yeah, sure. Oh mental. god, wait, this is thick. wait till you go to the wait till you go to the bathroom after you eat this stuff. <laughs> oh, look at that! Oh, I, dude, I know. I, fa I, oh, oh god, I can't. Let me see this. It looks like jello. It looks like. Can the audience see this? Now oh. they can. Oh, that looks disgusting. It's like. Strangely, don't, I don't. Uh, don't get any peas on our camera, please. I'm gonna have to stir this up a little bit. Oh man! No. Oh, because that'll help, dude. Oh god! <laughs> Seriously, th that is so thick. Oh, Can I do one bite? This nope. Time? Two, nope bites. two bites. One two bites. Two spoonfuls. Fill that damn spool up. Otherwise, I'm feeding you. Oh man, that <laughs> looks. <laughs> that looks like. That looks like ten day old milk. By the way, you guys can watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash 101 ESPN. My stomach kind of hurts watching this. <laughs> the Air Alliance team is who the uh, the cams are presented by. Uh, make sure you don't get anything on the mic. You didn't tell this dad joke while I'm doing this out. You want another one? No, because you, you might spit peas everywhere. On the text line there. The top of the text line. There's one on the top of the text line. Why doesn't Ken and Barbie have kids? Because Ken <laughs> comes in a different box. Oh. What did it taste like? You didn't even eat it yet. I tried to smell it first, and it was a mistake. It was a huge mistake. Oh, I can't read that one at the top. That's inappropriate. <laughs> you already read it. Uh, no, I read the other one. The other one was fine. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> you want to read? I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> eat the peas, Daddy. Well, don't suck at picks next time. All right, here we go. Ready? 
Oh, God. Three. <laughs> no, it's going to be so hard to swallow. Two. Well, it's too thick. One. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Oh, God. You know? Don't even. Oh, do another bite then if yeah, it's not that it's bad. Good. Do another one. It's not good. Yeah, it's take really another bite. Good. You seem to enjoy that. Oh, <laughs> oh God, no. No. <laughs> hey, Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You want to tell people what the peas tasted like? Okay, so at first... <laughs> oh, I can still taste it. Oh, it's coming up. No, don't. <laughs> Dude, if you vomit, I'm out. I- I'm done for the Ooh. show. Oh, boy. Oh, that one. At first, really not as bad. It's, it's not on the front. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> okay. On the front of the tongue? <laughs> it's not that bad. It's the back. It gets... <laughs> into your mouth <laughs> oh, and then all you can feel hey you need to be careful because if you do vomit that bib goes down with you and it's gonna sit oh god if you oh god hey what if you have is gonna get less oh god we'll find oh, out no. next on 101 espn we're right back to the pk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn T-Bone, I'm BK. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not. Man, watching you dry heave is making me sick. Yeah, I'm not loving it. I'm not going to lie to you. But what would make me feel better is if the Cardinals added Yamamoto to their rotation going into next year. And Alex, <laughs> I was reading over at Viva Alberto's yesterday. I get a bunch of my Cardinals news over there. They had the Birdos in brief projecting a Yamamoto contract and his posting fee. Now, when I went over there, I kind of assumed, all right, well, we, we have a pretty good idea of what this is going to be, right? It's going to be $30 million plus a year, and it just depends on how many years he's going to end up getting. You looked at what we saw earlier today as we were talking about Jim Bowden's projections. It was $30 million a year. Seven years, $210 million. And then I went over to Vive Albertos, and they had what I think is a pretty compelling argument as to why he's going to get less than what any of us are currently projecting for. Now, it's hard to know for sure what it's going to be because there's a lot of risk by bringing over pitchers. T-Bone, you've mentioned this a number of times where you wonder like, hey, how's it going to translate? You just don't know. You don't know until you find out. And giving out a seven-plus year contract to somebody that you have no idea if they're going to be good when they get over or how long it's going to take them for uh, for them to adjust to the current major league stand, it's hard. It's hard to do. And so for a lot of teams, there's going to be a threshold of risk that they're unwilling to meet. So over at Viva Albertos, they say they think a projected contract for him is actually closer to a six-year, $120 million deal, where he's getting $20 million a year, and it's going to take him through his age 31 season. Now, Alex, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But if it did, between the contract and the posting fee, the Cardinals would actually be in a pretty good spot. You'd be paying about $10 million in posting fees. So for this upcoming year, it would cost you about $25 million, which you'd be looking at. If that ends up being correct, $20 million a year, a $10 million posting fee, or $20 million posting fee, excuse me, how would you feel about that for Yamamoto? I mean, I would even be more willing to super swipe with that one. I I don't see that happening because I think somebody's going to overpay to get Yamamoto, like go to the $30 million a year route. But if it falls to that number where you're paying that posting free fee and that's what that kind of salary hit is for the first year and then you're locking him up for a six-year deal 
I mean, that's a steal for you because you got a guy who could potentially be an ace who's 25 years old. You'll have him up until he's 31 years old, and you're not paying him ace money. That's a that's a win for the Cardinals. The problem there also is now you get into the conversation of, you know, Yamamoto really gets to choose, which I know he does now. But if it's $20 million a year and it's six years, Yamamoto really gets to decide where he wants to play. And that's going to be tougher for the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, either way, whatever the contract is, the Cardinals shouldn't be in those conversations because he is the top pitcher on the market for his age and his stuff. And it just comes down to what it translates to. But to your point of if he's making 20 mil a year, I mean, you're talking about a guy that is making that money that's like a number two, number three. I mean, we just did Tinder Tuesday, and like guys making around 20 mil on Jim Bones' projections were Sonny Gray, Eduardo Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. That's probably the downside for Yamamoto is he ends up not – and his stuff doesn't translate all the way over, but he's still got good stuff, and he ends up being like a number two or a number three. That's the downside in my opinion. And if you're paying $20 million – for the downside of that, plus the upside is potentially a guy that is better than Kodai Senga and can lead the front end of a rotation into the playoffs and down the stretch for six years, absolutely sign me up for that kind of a deal for for Yamamoto. Yeah, that's where I'm at as well. Um, I, I think this would make all the sense in the world. Now, if, if you're wondering, okay, why, why is it such a risk? Why are there so many questions associated with this guy? If we all agree, he's probably the projected number one starter on the market. Well, one, just different leagues. Different leagues, different bats, different adjustments that he's going to have to make that he's never had to make previously. Number two, he's 5'10". He's 5'10", 175 pounds. That is a much smaller pitcher than what you would typically see in terms of the frame of a number one starter. Like This is slighter in terms of his frame than Sonny Gray, and people question whether or not Sonny Gray can hold up over the long haul. So that's going to be something that he has to overcome in terms of just the traditional scouts that are out looking and saying, yeah, that guy's that guy's going to be your number one starter. Five ten, buck seventy five. Mm, I don't know about that in the year twenty twenty three. The other thing is his strikeout rate, while good, is not elite necessarily. It's basically a batter per inning. Is that going to translate to being a ten strikeouts per nine innings over here in the states? I, I don't know. You would think probably because the strikeout numbers in general are lower over in Japan because guys don't strike out as often. But it's hard to say for sure. So with all of these things in the backdrop, it does make you wonder, Okay, what is it going to look like when he gets to the States? I think it's going to be really good. And if it ended up being where a lot of teams said, you know what, we're willing to go to 20 million dollars a year, but no more. I think the Cardinals should go to 20 to 25. And they should be willing to take on the risk that is associated with him. The other thing that you don't have to do if you go get Yamamoto instead of one of the top free agents, it's not associated with a draft pick. Yeah. Yeah. So you get to keep that second or third round pick, depending on what you do elsewhere. Um, and that's not associated with signing Yamamoto. So like, we're all in favor. If it's lower than anticipated, that should be your number one guy. I am still skeptical, though, because there are too. so many teams that are so desperate for pitching that if they miss out on Nola, um, Snell, who else is at the top of the market? Montgomery, Gray. If you miss out on those four, man, there is not a lot out there unless you go to the trade market. Yamamoto is probably going to be the other top guy. Well, and he's 25 years old. How many yeah. times do you get a 25-year-old pitcher who you get in the 100%. prime of his career? Uh, you're you're going to pounce on this if you're the Dodgers, the Mets, and look, if it's sitting at six years and 20 mil a year, you're going to overbid that because you want teams to stay away and, from and it. He's got the best stuff coming over from Japan since Shohei so people are gonna out outprice themselves to go get him the Mets may be the team that does it Cohen may just say you know what we're not doing a ton this offseason 
let's go all in. Give or them the Giants, 30, the Dodgers. Mil. Like, there's a yeah. bunch of teams that really need pitching that are big time markets. Hell, if the Phillies end up losing Aranola, they should absolutely go into this market, dip into it, and say, okay, we're going to replace him with the money that we would have used for Nola by going and getting a 25 year old potential ace to pair with Zach Wheeler. So there's a lot of teams that could end up going this route, and that's why I do think it'll it'll eventually end up getting to a higher market than what you would previously expect. You guys want to play a game of Arbitration Station before we talk to Jeremy Rutherford is, on the other is side? Is this like Conjunction Junction? <laughs> Basically the exact what same. your function? So let's go through a few of these. We can do it relatively quickly. Would you tender this player if it meant paying him X amount of dollars next year? That is essentially what this means. They get all of these figures from MLB trade rumors. They're typically pretty damn accurate on what guys are expected to get via the arbitration process. So that's where I'm getting these numbers for. They put these out recently. Tyler O'Neill is projected to make $5.5 million next year if you bring him back via the arbitration tender. Are you non-tendering him and losing him for nothing or bringing him back for $5.5 million and either trading him or keeping him on the roster? Yep, I'm losing him for nothing, and I'm fully prepared for the ramifications of him getting picked up elsewhere and turning into an all-star, and we're talking about him in the postseason, but I don't care. Uh, it's it's long overdue, $5.5 million. It's time to move on. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would move on. He's a losing baseball player, so Sweep I would get rid of him. Non-tender as well. I would take that $5.5 million and put it straight towards a reliever. I would just rather have the reliever, and then instead of having to find the guy that I want via trade for O'Neal, I'm just going to sign him. I'm going to go to the free agent market and say, what can I get for $5.5 million? And then go get that guy and say, that that was my trade. My trade was the money. That was more valuable than the asset that Tyler O'Neill is at this point. Tommy Edmonds, six and a half million dollars. Tender. Yeah, tender. Absolutely. Totally agree. Ryan Helsley, three million dollars. Tender. tender. Uh, Andrew Kisner, two million dollars. Tender. tender. Dylan Carlson, one point eight million dollars. Tender. Yeah, tender. Jake Woodford, one point one million dollars. Non-tender. Non-tender. He's, he's a guy that he's like a. Long reliever, and I don't need that guy for a yeah. million dollars. I can put that million dollars to better use. Totally agree. JoJo Romero, $900,000. Tender. Tender. Last one. And I find this to be the most interesting decision for the Cardinals this offseason via their arbitration process. Dakota Hudson at $3.7 million. Man, if that was less, I would say tender, but I can't give him that much mil- that, that much money. I, I, I mean, I could sign another bullpen arm for that amount of money and get better contributions than that so no i think they will non-tender him but i think i would tender him i think i would tender him because you saw down the stretch that though he's not a great pitcher he's a solid capable number five and if you need him in case of emergency especially if you're going to go out and get guys like seth lugo james paxton um tyler glass now if you trade for him to put atop the rotation you're going to need somebody that can fill in in 10 15 starts Hudson could do that, and if he has to sit in the minors for 3.7 mil, I think it might be worth it. I would rather have Thompson, Liberator, and some of those other guys that are coming up. That I have think he's upside. better than Liberator. Right now he is. I think he's got. I think those guys have all have more upside than Dakota Hudson. And let's be honest, guys, if Dakota Hudson's starting for you, you're not expecting much. You're hoping for five innings, three yard runs. That's that's the hope is what you're getting from him. I would non tender him. 3.7 million dollars. I can add that to the five and a half that I'm getting um, from Tyler O'Neill. It's nine million bucks. You add in what Jake Woodford's making, and he's not going to get that from you. It's ten million bucks, and I'm going to go get myself a really nice reliever with that money. What if they say we're converting Libertor into a bullpen arm? Fine. I've got other pitchers that are down in the minors, and I'm expecting to add three starters via free agency or trade this offseason. I'm good. I'll have Zach Thompson in the role that Coda Hudson was in this year for me, 
And I, I believe Zach Thompson will be significantly better in that role than Dakota Hudson has been for you. That 3.7 mil, I just think you can use in a better way than by giving it to the number six starter that's spending most of the season down in uh, AAA for you. So I would not tender him. I think that is going to be one of the tell, telling signs going into this offseason, though, of what their plans are with that money. He's Alex. That's T-Bone on BK. Jeremy Rutherford joins us next. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. When Jeremy Rutherford joins us in studio, he's the Blues Insider for The Athletic and 101 ESPN. You can find his work over at The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at JP Rutherford. He joins us now, not via the 101 ESPN hotline, instead, right here in studio. Jeremy, oh. what's up, man? Well, this was, uh, I had to drive a, quite a bit of ways out of my way to get here. Yeah, sure, but yeah. I figured this is the way, the only way my son could see me because that's all he does is watch YouTube. So, well, look at goes. that beautiful mug on YouTube right now. <laughs> he's probably thinking, my dad's good looking. JR, I got to start with this that. question. <laughs> What's the number one power play for the Blues right now? The number Based one? Based on what you saw earlier today, B- BK, who is on the number one power remember play? Remember what we've talked about prior, where you want to side with me rather than BK. He doesn't even have any background on this. <laughs> A lot of times I start siding with somebody not knowing who I'm siding with, and then yeah. I just hear you guys cheer. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, You'll I guess I'll about 10 seconds with that guy. No, we talked to Craig Bribby about the power play afterwards, and he said he was going for balance here. So I don't think we're looking at a number one power play. But what he did say, guys, is that, uh, you know, some of the guys that he's moved around, he's done so because he thinks that maybe they're more adept at, let's say, getting shots off from the wall. Uh, and that's what I saw a lot of in today's practice. And at first I thought, okay, maybe that's coincidence. I watched a couple uh, you know, plays where they were really letting it rip. But then when I asked Ruby about it, he said, no, we need more shots. We're going for more shots. I think that's at the point where, where they have to be. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at... But who do you think will be on the ice first? The crew, shut the up, crew, man. You know, right? <laughs> shut up. You just said who. <laughs> so it's okay, be. let me say, okay, so without knowing, because I didn't get a chance to listen on the way in, well, uh, let me look at these units. Thomas Buchnevich, Falk, Verona, Kapanen, Krug, Kairushin, Hayes, Saad is the other one. I am going to go with... Make the right decision. The Thomas power play. Let's go! Let's go! (laughs) I'll be shocked. It's not going to happen. That's not happening. No, no chance. He just knows exactly where the number one unit is. The number one center would be the number one power play unit. Or the number one quarterback on the power play would be the number one unit. Justin Falk on the number one power play (laughs) unit with Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich. And typically you do say that, right? That the the point guy, you know, Mm. the number of the quarterback is going to be that number one power play unit. However, the power play is one for 21. (laughs) So there's really not a number one power play unit. sir. JR, so I'm looking at these lines and look, they're breaking them up. Kairu's playing with Shen and Saad now and Kapanen gets an opportunity with the top. I understand Yakub Verana was a healthy scratch, but at some point, do you see the need to put a Yakub Verana in your top six just to get more offense? Or do you think this is as balanced as you can ask with those lines? Yeah, I think what Craig Bruby is doing here is obviously going for that balance. He's going for a change. Uh, you're moving, you're splitting up Thomas and Cairo. You're putting Kappen in on that top line, which I'm kind of intrigued. You know, how does it yeah. look? I'm not saying he's a top line player, but I think that he can skate. You know, he provides stability at both ends. So I think that he can handle that assignment. Uh, in terms of Vrana, 
I think if he were doing the other things that the coaching staff were looking for, i.e. his healthy scratch led to that, I think he'd already maybe have that chance. I think it's those deficiencies and whatever headbutting went on behind the scenes in terms of him being a healthy scratch is why he's not in that spot. Because, you know, he hasn't played top six minutes necessarily with the Blues, but I think he's got that potential. The one thing is the ice time. I mean, he's 12, 13 minutes. Like, who would ever – we're talking about this guy being a potential 30-goal scorer at the beginning of the year. You know, 30-goal scorers don't play 12 or 13 minutes. Right. And that's something where I – I do understand to a degree where Craig Burby's coming from. Like the turnover that he had, you put out the video, I believe, over on Twitter. It it can't happen. Like that's just one of those things that, that cannot happen in that spot. But this entire team is making turnovers that can't happen. You've got a lot of guys that are going out there and aren't producing for you offensively. I loved your piece that you had with Verona the other day where you asked him, you know, what what's going on here? And he, he kind of turned the question on you and said, hey, what kind of a player do you think that I am? And he said... Well, you're a goal scorer that skates well. And he said, that's exactly what I am. I kind of understand both perspectives and I can, I, I get why there would be some headbutting maybe potentially involved in this. And I, I don't know if that's something that can be fixed. If Rana at this point in time is the player that he's been, he's a fully formed guy. This isn't some 21 year old that's just getting his first crack into the NHL. And he thinks his best way to get that next contract is by scoring 25 or 30 goals it's kind of hard to convince that guy. Well, I need you to. I need you to start working on this other stuff. You're back checking. Right. You're forechecking. I don't know really how you get that point across if the player isn't necessarily receptive. To right, PK. And it's one thing if he's a 25, 26 year old guy who's been with the Blues organization his entire life, sure. and you're just trying to convince this guy, hey, this is the way we need to play. But you're talking about a guy who's on a third organization. I realize that he had some success in Washington. They won a cup. He was a good player there, and it was just a cup of coffee in Detroit. But now you're talking third team, where with all three franchises. You're talking about, you know, is there a willingness to play that all-around game? And, you know, he says, what kind of player am I? I said offensive-minded player. But you look at other players on the team, Kyra's an offensive-minded player. But you still got to get that out of him, right? That's what Craig Bruby's been trying to do for a couple years, and now we're starting to see that. So especially with what the Blues are trying to do right now and play a team-oriented system, they have to have everybody on board. If you let anybody off the hook, it's just not going to work. And I believe what Craig Berube says, he's got to be harder on guys. He's got to make tougher decisions. If it pisses people off, it you know so be it. He's got to make these types of decisions, and he did that finally with Verona. So I'm going to preface this question, JR, because I'm the guy that always sits there and says, like, it's not the coach, it's not the coach. But if if this continues where you just see the inconsistent play, and I know a lot of fans probably are already questioning it, when do you start questioning the coach? Well, it's a it's a fair question, and it's a question that you have to entertain at these points of, you know, what's going on with right. the franchise right now. To me, Craig Berube has had a lot of success with this organization, but the Stanley Cup honeymoon has worn off a long time ago. Now everybody has to evolve. Everybody has to adapt. Last year, okay, you look at the year and you say, that was awful. You identify that he's not the problem, at least Doug Armstrong did, obviously ownership did. And then you bring back a roster that you think can be competitive while you're retooling, right? But now you're in a situation where you're putting pressure on Craig Berube to win with a roster that is probably not a contender and may not be a playoff team and asking him to get results. Obviously, if his message is heard and this team plays hard every night, then he's going to keep his job through this retool. If it becomes a situation where you just see this type of inconsistency and you see, look at the power play, look at the lack of scoring, look at all these areas that just aren't 
you know, operating where they should be, then I think there's going to be some question about Craig Brubian's job. Now, when he had three years left on his deal, do you sit here and consider it? You know, probably not. Now you got he's he's got this year and he's got next year. Right. You know, it becomes part of the conversation. But if it's me, their everyday objective viewpoint. I think he's still a guy who can get the job, and you have to say considering with the pieces that he has right now. But at some point, if this continues, that's the the bridge we're going to have to cross. Our guest is Jeremy Rutherford. You can find his work over at The Athletic. I referenced it a little bit ago. He had a great piece with uh, Jakub Vrana on why he was benched, what led to that decision, the healthy scratch for a couple of games, and what he needs to do to get himself back into the good graces of the coaching staff. He's back into the lineup. JR, I did want to ask you, you mentioned if they aren't playing hard. Do you think that what we've seen in their losses this year is a lack of effort? Is it a lack of execution? Like what what has led to this in your mind? Because I I gotta be honest, I don't necessarily watch the games and say to myself, man, they're not trying hard. I I sometimes see a lack of skill and a lack of talent on the ice. Yeah, and that goes back to what I said a second ago. Is the talent there? Is it a contending team? Are we evaluating this roster, this lineup on a nightly basis as a contender or are we evaluating it as a retool? And I'm not saying let anybody off the hook. I'm just saying that you have to be honest about what the goal is here and what the what the team looks like. So uh, in terms of Effort, I think it's been there for the most part. I think you can look at a couple of the games and question it. And I did uh, ask Craig Bruby about the effort after a couple of those games. And he, he goes, I just don't see that that's the issue right there. What I think is you get into a situation where the Blues get chasing and they're backed into their zone. We know they've spent so much time in their defensive zone this year. And I think you get to the point where you fall behind and now you're kind of chasing things and you're in your zone for 45 seconds. And you're like, like what, are we, what are we doing here? Like, I'm trying to go make this play. Play, but you know, I don't necessarily think that's going to put us in. I'm giving everything I have to make this team better, but then the results aren't there, and then you kind of start to question everything. And I think that's what we've seen from the, this Blues team in the past year or two. When things don't go well, it kind of looks like the effort's not there, but I think it's a combination uh, that, that deals a lot with what you talk about is not as much skill as the teams they're playing. So if that's the case, then do you feel like they have the right nucleus in place to take them out of this retool, or is that still remain to be seen for Doug Armstrong? So to be honest, I think they do have some players who can help the situation, but I think you're caught in the middle of some contracts and you're kind of forced to put guys in certain roles and count on certain guys to get you through this retool. Like if Doug Armstrong could just sit back and and take a scratch pad and say, ideally I would like this, this, and this in terms of trying to get this thing turned around, I would love to do that, but he can't do that. Like he's handcuffed himself with some of the contracts. There's been some poor performance by a number of these players. He tried to make the trade with Krug that didn't go through. So I think it's more of a situation where these are the cards that he's dealt himself and these are the cards that they have. So this is what they have to roll with. I, I just don't think there's much wiggle room, even if you wanted to change the situation. Final question for you. We can get you out of here on this. At what point do you feel like you have a good idea of what this team is? How many games into the season do we need to get? Yeah, we're not there yet through seven, but yeah. at what point are we? Yeah, it's interesting you ask because uh, I was uh, cursors blinking on the laptop the other day. I always say that, and you're thinking, okay, how do I describe this situation? Uh, it was before and after the Vancouver game, and I thought, uh, what's the what's the number of games? Is it 15? Is it 20? Is it 20? Oh, I just watched that game. It's seven. Like, <laughs> I know what this team is. It's seven <laughs> games. Like, that's who this team is. Last year, it felt like it was 10. Yeah. After 10, we had really a pretty good did, idea because yeah? that was 
when Army came out and he was like, hey, this is unacceptable. What is happening right now has to change. And if he's going to come out at that point, it feels like he had a pretty good idea at that point of yeah. what this team was. BK, the, the magic number with a lot of coaches is 20. You talk to Ken Hitchcock, all the GMs, you know, it's usually uh, 20 games. But I think that people have to be realistic that you can see it after 8, 10, 12 games. You can. And, and you know, Doug Armstrong came out, talked to the media last year, like you said, after eight or ten games, and nothing got better. Let me look at some stats here real quick. I'll be quick with this. Is, look at this guy going BK route <laughs> on us. I'm, I'm waiting. He's got Number, his glasses and go. everything. Numbers nerd here. Goals per game, 1.86. That's 31st in the league. Uh, power play, 4.8%. That's 32nd last in the league. Five on five goals for nine. That's 31st in the league. Five on five goals against 12. That's 22nd in the league. From my experience covering teams, when you see numbers like that, they don't get dramatically better. Maybe they're 29, 30, 31, 32 in some of these categories, and by the end of the year we're going to be talking about them being 23, 24, 25. These numbers that I just read to you guys, they don't get in the top 10 by the end of the year. This yeah. is kind of who you are. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's exceptions where teams have turned it around and got hot, things like that. We saw the 2019 team, uh, but I don't think that this is that year. I don't think this is that roster. So unless these numbers start to get better soon – you know, I think by the 20-game mark, the 30-game mark, we're going to be way past where we know this team to be. Let me throw one more in here, uh, JR, because uh, Eric Francis put this out on Sportsnet a little bit ago about the Calgary uh, Flames. Noah Hannafin, here we go. Yeah, come well, welcome to Noah Hannafin, <laughs> but maybe not just him. There's Elias Lindholm you could talk about. Oh, okay. At what point, if you're Doug Armstrong, if, if another team is struggling, that you look at it and you say, okay, maybe our core's not right, their core's not right, do you pursue a trade like that, or do you just stick with what you've stated that, hey, this is a three-year retool, and we're going to let these guys figure it out as we go? Yeah, so when you're a reporter, you have to constantly, when you're scrolling through Twitter, look at every situation, every headline that you see and say, okay, could this affect the Blues? Could this affect the Blues? How do I approach this? How do I investigate this to see if this could be? I got to admit, though, when Justin Falk was available, I didn't think he no, was coming to see no. Nobody thought that. But I think when I, when I stopped and I saw that Calgary headline about they're going to put a hold on contract talks and you know could blow this thing up, there are a couple players on that team who I think could help a team in the position that the Blues are. And I think if we continue to see what we're seeing, there's going to have to be some change. I, I don't think you can continue to roll the rest of this season. Obviously, you're not going to you know go without making changes in the offseason right but I, I think that you have to take advantage of some certain situations there was a situation in philadelphia braden chen's available you make that trade look how it, there are types of moves like that that doug armstrong can make in season even with where the team is to not only help it now but help it in the future and i think calgary is a good example of that he's jeremy rutherford you can find his work over on the athletic you can regularly on 101 ESPN as well and follow him on Twitter at JP Rutherford. JR, thanks for stopping by, man. Happy Halloween, boys. Have fun with those kiddos tonight. JR dressed up today for us. He did. Looks like Michael Scott. (laughs) Come on. My reporter outfit. Yeah, his reporter outfit. Are you guys going trick-or-treating outside? Typically, you'll sit out in the driveway, right, with the fire and the the cooler. There's no way. I'm inside. You guys are soft. I'm going to stay out there till midnight tonight. (laughs) No, you're (laughs) a liar. You you are such a liar. Actually, I had this discussion. There's no chance you're interacting with other humans. Well, I am. I'm interacting with my sister, my brother-in-law, my mom, my dad. No, not strangers. Are you kidding me? Speaking of young kids, like, what's up with the baby food? Is it coming up next? Oh, it's been coming up into this trash can over here. Uh, the next one up is uh, oh yeah, listen to this sweet JR. potato and turkey. He's soft. He sh- I told him to get the puree beef, and he's like, man, that's gonna be too gross. Looks chunky. Yeah. Did you hear that? Here, listen. Oh god. Uh, Let me play you the sound that I just found when I was cutting up somebody over here of BK reacting to eating baby food. 
Oh, God. <laughs> That's a sound I never want to hear again. Thanks, Thanks, my boy, JR. Thanks, boys. And Jeremy Rutherford. Appreciate him, uh, as always. You can always hear him on BK and Ferrario each and every Tuesday. Coming up, better to forget it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Vegas sets them up, and we're here to make the call. It's BK and Ferrario's Bet It or Forget It on 101 ESPN. Four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service X line for better or forget it. The Washington deal of Chase Young to San Francisco is official now, according to Adam Schefter. A third round pick going back to Washington in this deal. My assumption is San Francisco is not planning to bring back Chase Young. This is probably just hey, we're a Super Bowl contender. We need an edge rusher. The best one available right now is Chase Young. He's on an expiring deal. Let's go get him. Let's add him to this mix and let's see if we can make a run for a Super Bowl. I respect the hell out of it. This is not something that comes along very often, man. And you never know how long your window is going to be. So while you're in it, go for it. This is what the Rams decided to do. Now they went all in. This is not an all in move. This is not a trade for a guy and then give him $20 million a year. It's trade for a guy. Let him walk via free agency. You'll get a comp pick for him when he signs elsewhere for big time money. And you see what he was able to give you. I like it a lot, man. I, I think this is a really smart deal by San Francisco. My better to forget it, better to forget it. The San Francisco 49ers with this trade just locked up the NFC West. Man, as much as I want to bet this one, like you still have to worry about Brock Purdy and what he's looked like in these last couple of games. And I, I mean, Seattle's not a joke and we are forgetting what Seattle pulled off yesterday with their trade. I mean, you added another really good defensive player for that team and I would take Geno Smith over Brock Purdy the way that he's playing right now. So I'm gonna, I might forget this one. I think San Francisco just tightened up the best part of their team, but you still got to worry about your quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to forget it too because I don't think it's a lock yet. I, I think it's going to come down to the wire. It's an arms race in the NFC West right now um, because I... Purdy's not playing like a difference maker. And I said that after, not the last game, but the Monday night game that they lost to the Vikings, where I said, he's not a guy that you fear. He just has to dump it off to his playmakers and you hope his playmakers make a move. But without Trent Williams and with Debo dealing with an injury, the offense just hasn't looked the same. And I I don't think Brock Purdy's played as well, even though I think he's been relying on those weapons. So I'm going to forget it. I think they're probably the favorites, but I'm not saying it's a lock. I'm going to bet it. I think they're just better than Seattle is right now. And I I do have some of the same concerns that you guys do with Brock Purdy. I think it's reasonable to question if he could be a guy that's consistent enough for them to get all the way. But that defense should be a lot better with Chase Young now. I I think that's a, a real difference maker. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say at all. And I think that offense, whenever they get Debo back healthy, when you get Christian McCaffrey closer to 100%, he's still playing through some some nagging injuries, you would you would make an assumption. And whenever they get their all-star level left tackle back, like this team's going to be right back to where it once was. So I'm going to bet it. I think that the uh, Washington or the San Francisco 49ers just locked up the West. Alex? All right, guys, bet it or forget it. The Blues and Calgary Flames make a trade before next season. I'll go ahead and bet it just because I'm optimistic today, feeling pretty good prior to eating this last thing of baby food. Yeah, I, the peas I like made you feel good about yourself. And for those that missed it, Eric Francis of Sportsnet, who's going to join us tomorrow at 1215, uh, said that Calgary right now reportedly has halted all contract extension talks, where last week Elliot Friedman reported that they were nearing a 
a deal between the Flames and Noah Hannafin. And Eric Francis says in his piece that if Calgary decides to go this route, they would blow it up and start looking for younger players. So uh, I'm betting this one, even if it's only one of their pending UFAs, this is an opportunity of a team that's kind of in the middle and another team that's in the middle to try and make a deal that that makes sense for both sides. I think I'm going to forget it. I, I don't know if the Blues make the move. I, I think the Blues just stick with what they've got and they see how things end up going and they just kind of ride that wave and then they'll address it in the offseason. Maybe in the offseason, they can't have those conversations with the Flames because those guys are already walked in free agency, but then they start to explore these different kind of franchise-altering routes. I don't know if they do it in season. T-Bone, what do you got? Bet it or forget it. We will see a top-end wide receiver get moved at this year's deadline. Forget no it. no reports yet. I'm going to forget this one. I think it's going to be a dud of a deadline outside of what happened in Washington. Yeah. And, I mean, look, only one team has been selling. I mean, Minnesota sold off a couple of pieces. They sold the, what, the offensive guard, but then they add Joshua Dobbs. Like, they're really confusing right now. Weird deal. But you're only seeing one team. And I... I don't know. I mean, Denver has basically said they're not trading anything. Vegas isn't trading Devontae Adams. Who else is trading right now? That's worth anything, I should say. So I'm forgetting it. I I would call Washington if I'm a team that's looking for a wide receiver and say, hey, what's up with Curtis Samuel? He's on an expiring deal this year. Curtis Samuel's a really solid player. Now, problem is the team that most needs a wide receiver is the Chiefs, and he doesn't really fit what they need. He's more of a gadget type of a weapon, and they've already got a couple of those guys with McCole Hardman and Kadarius Toney, but if you're Buffalo, I think he makes a lot of sense for you. Um, so a team like that, that is a contender that needs a gadget type of player that can maybe help you out both in the running game and the passing game. I, I think he's somebody that I would call on. Otherwise, I just don't see a ton of players that are available that make sense as trade guys. So I, I'm going to say forget it. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot going on. See, I'm going to bet it. I think one of Judy or Sutton gets dealt. I hope you're right. I Because I, I just can't see how Denver holds on to those guys. I, it makes no sense. Big, and I, big divisional win. Couple for, days ago, good for them. What I saw was the asking price go up. So I, I would say that they're, one of those guys is getting dealt. It just makes too much sense, and I'm not buying what Sean Payton's selling. I don't. I never, never, ever, ever Nobody believe should. what Sean Payton yeah. is trying to sell you. All right, three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line for better or forget it. We'll get a couple of these guys. Better or forget it. The Cardinals end up trading for Tyler Glass now this offseason. Forget it. I think that Tampa Bay Rays are just going to ask more than what the Cardinals are willing to give up where they can feel like they can get a free agent. Now, if they fall flat with all of these free agents, then I'll say bet it because they're going to get desperate. But as it stands now, forget it. So I would forget it unless Nola goes Nola or Gray go elsewhere it, or if one of them accepts the qualifying offer. I don't think that would happen. But if that was another one of those scenarios, I think he would become their number one target after those two. It's clear Nola and Gray are target 1A and 1B. I think Glass now is target number two. He makes too much sense for the Cardinals. I'm going to bring up another uh, piece from Viva Albertos. They put out a piece earlier today. Tyler Glass now and Jason Adam for Alec Burleson. And who's Jason Adam? A reliever. Very, very, very good reliever. How much does he got a ton of? He must not have a ton so of. So why the hell left. would Tampa do it? I think it is the final year of his contract. Yeah. So uh, why he's would Tampa do it? Eligible this year. He's got three years left of control. Sweet Jesus, this guy's good. Yeah. yeah. He's 33. You would probably need more than Burleson involved, but. I'm in. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably like Burleson Surely. and Donovan. But Surely yeah. they no, can't. No, you're not going to have to give up that much. Surely I, they Tyler can't Glass rob us more. Tyler Glass now has one year of control at $25 million, and he's got a massive injury history. Tyler Glass now is not going to cost as much as a lot of people are anticipating. Not, not Glass now, but, but if, if you're a reliever them, with yeah. three years of control, Glass that's now that for good. Burleson, I could absolutely yeah. buy into. So yeah, let's, let's start with there. 
Glass now for Burleson. Yeah, I'd do Man. it. We just talked about Burleson for Shane Bieber. This is better than Shane Bieber. Would you rather have Shane Bieber or Tyler Glass now? I'd rather have, have Glass, Glass now. now. Upside's I, better. I, yeah, so the too. upside's better and the stuff is better. And if he pitches well, like, I'd be even open to the idea of giving Glass now an extension once you brought him here. Somebody said, guys, I think the asking price for Glass now is going to be the same or more as the asking price for Logan Gilbert. And I think Gilbert's a better player. The Absolutely hell? not. Absolutely not. Yeah, Logan Gilbert the asking price for Logan Gilbert is massive because he is young, cheap, cost control, and doesn't have injuries. <laughs> I, all, the the deal that I always reference when it comes to like why is that guy only worth this if this guy is worth that is Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton had a long term extension in place when he was dealt by the Chicago White Sox going to Washington, I believe it was. That was in the Lucas Giolito deal when Giolito was one of the top rated prospects in all of Major League Baseball. It was a massive haul that they got in return. The reason why was very simple. It's a cost-controlled player who has multiple years left remaining on a more than reasonable rate. Those guys always cost more. If you've got one year that you're trading from, it's kind of like what we see at the deadline every year, except even less so because there's also free agents that are available. The value is just not there. It's just not there for those guys, unfortunately. Fortunately for the Cardinals, they can take advantage of it. You get like a top... 30 prospect, but like in that 20 to 30 range from teams. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, what the Cardinals got in most of those one-year rental deals. Think about the Mookie Betts deal. What they got in return yeah. for him. They got Alex Verdugo as the headliner, and he's a fine player. <laughs> They're probably going to have to trade him this offseason. So, uh, there's just not a lot of value in guys that are on one-year deals. So, if you think that you want one of Glasnow or Bieber, you're probably going to be able to get them for a more than reasonable return. I think Alec Burleson is a good that's a stand-in piece. It might end up being more like somebody else that's in your minor league system. It's a JC, somebody like that. But Alec Burleson, if you're looking for major league pieces, that's probably about what it would take for one of those guys. For Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. Coming up next, we're going to have the BK and Ferrario Rewind, and I will finish serving my punishment. One more sweet potato and turkey puree. Oh, God. Last one. Stop. Stop it with that. Oh, I'm Last done. I'm out. Coming I'm out. Coming out. Thanks, you're on we're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Six four six. That's the Air Comfort Service text line, and right now is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Blink One Eighty Two on August tenth. Alex is going to be there, and you can too. All you got to do, hell yeah, text in the correct answer to this question. The first baby food that I ate today was blank. What was the first baby food that I had to eat as part of my pick'em punishment? For the last month, being horrible at picking football games. If you have the correct answer at 314-399-9646 and you were texter number 101, you are getting a free pair of tickets to see Blink-182. Oh, God. Stop, man. I can't. Ah, That's what it sounded like after I was finished with that, uh, that baby food. Been a rough day. Been a rough show for me. But I think the show in general was entertaining, I would say. I've had fun. Describe entertaining. YouTube.com slash 101 ESPN STL. That's where you can go to rewatch the entire thing. You can always find it as well on the free 101 ESPN app or at 101ESPN.com. It's presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. That's where you go find the podcast. Imagine the stills that we're going to be able to use for the screen footage of YouTube from today. Yeah, I think T-Bone's going to be... It's going to uh, be a lot of this. I'm going to hate it with that. <laughs>
Rangers versus the Diamondbacks this evening in a game that nobody's going to be interested in the starters. It's a bullpen game for Arizona and Andrew Heaney on the mound tonight so for the Texas Rangers, basically. Yeah. Who you got in this one, Alex? Uh, I'll say the Rangers because they are undefeated on the road this season. They are. I'm going Diamondbacks. I think they end that. I think they even the series at two apiece. Well, you sir and we'll see about it. Garcia. I'm going I'm going Diamondbacks as well. I think they find a way to get themselves back into this series. I still think that the Rangers will win it, but I think that the Diamondbacks tonight are able to tie this thing up, knotted at two games apiece, going into game number five. All right, man. Let's finish this puppy. I'm going one bite of this. No, two. you're not. Two. You're going two. You already eked out of not having to do 12 spoonfuls. Oh, my God. This is disgusting. It is. Oh, yeah. That that looks like pudding. Let's get it on camera, please. That looks like pudding. It's really, really gross. This is sweet potato and turkey puree. sounds gross. Dude, I'm telling you. It does not smell good. I'll tell you that much. Oh, God. All right. Here we go. Hope you don't get chunks of turkey. That was a weak (laughs) spoon. One more. (laughs) 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 Let that one soak in. Oh, yeah. Technically. Not as bad as the other two. Technically, yeah, I'll give it a second. Let it try and get down your throat. I don't like it. And technically, you just <laughs> had. Sweet potato, not bad. You just had Thanksgiving yeah, see, dinner. I knew he'd like that one. He likes sweet potatoes. That's why you should have gone yeah, the sweet beef. Sweet potatoes, not bad in there. You should have went the beef. <clears throat> the other two were horrendous. Absolutely atrocious in every possible way. Well, don't mind you throw it away, man. Take it and eat it for lunch. No, I'm good. For Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. We'll talk to our Calgary Flames insider tomorrow about Mm -hmm. how the Blues can improve everything and make this all good again. We'll do that tomorrow. The Fast Lane's coming up next with Danny Mackin on 101 ESPN. Why do you see so much hair when a werewolf drops his pants? (laughs) Because it's a full moon. With listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.